What do you think Donald Trump needs to do to come out on top? Well, on the character issue, the public, you know, two-thirds or more of the public knows that Hillary Clinton's a liar. She can't be trusted. And now the two faces of Hillary Clinton are coming out. The fact, through WikiLeaks, that she says one thing uh, and... Oh, no. All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost the satellite feed. That sucks. The two faces of Hillary Clinton are coming out. The fact, through WikiLeaks, that she says one thing uh, and... Oh, no. All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost the satellite feed. Oh, no. All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost the satellite feed. Oh, no. That's All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost that satellite feed. Oh, no. That's All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost that satellite feed. Oh, no. That's All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost that satellite feed. Oh, no. That's All right, let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Let's see if we can get Congressman Collins back. Obviously, we just lost the satellite feed. That sucks. And I'm, I'm really excited about a lot of his ideas, uh, especially when it comes to bringing the soldiers home. I've been serving for 10 years now, and all 10 years of those have been during wartime. I'd like to see a little peacetime army, and I think he has the right idea. Now, you have done two tours in Afghanistan. You told me you're going to go back for a, for a third tour. I mean, if you can see your, your neck right there, what you have on your tattoo, 9-11, remember, and a picture of the Twin Towers. You know, some Republicans out there have been saying that Ron Paul would be very dangerous for this country because he wants to bring troops like you back from your post from all over the world. Well, I think it would be even more dangerous to start nitpicking wars with other countries. Someone like Iran, Israel is more than capable. All right, we just lost our t connection, unfortunately, with Dana. Dana, stand by. If you can hear me, we're going to get back. You want to go to Kenny Crowley over at Mitt Romney headquarters. And his son, the senator, in just a little while, they started five-stop tour here in Des Moines in, in a couple of hours. But one thing that we really are looking for is whether or not Ron Paul's organization can prevail. Uh, I talked to a senior Paul advisor who insists that they have enough voters ID identified that actually could give... All right, we apologize for that. We lost our connection to uh, Dana back there in Des Moines. But, we'll but the people are waking up. They remember 10 years ago. They remember and they witness the results today of what's going on in Iraq. Now, even some people in Iraq are saying, well, do not go in there and bomb because we're going to help Assad. Some of the Shia wants to come in. You know, Assad wants to go in and help him. So this thing could easily spread. But who created, who created Iraq? We did. That's our country. And now they're aligned with the Iranians. So the whole theory is that we're going into Syria because 
that's the way you march into Iran. At the same time, we've made it tougher. We've made it tougher for Israel. We've made it tougher for uh, for the people who uh, want to live in peace in Iraq. And now we're just stirring it up in Syria. It's a civil war. We don't have the authority. And the vote in England, the British vote in a parliament, that is fantastic. The first right. time since 1782. Ron Paul, the people we, I, are getting in charge. I think we just lost Ron Paul. Unfortunately, the satellite must have gone down. Oh, it's technical difficulty day here on Abs in a Six Pack. We seem to be experimenting some technological differences. Abs in a A-B-S-N-A. Six, the number. P-A-C-K dot com. But we got Kenny here, a.k.a. the awkward Jew. Uh, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Oh, man. Uh, we... we We've we've known each other for years and years, but uh, we we haven't talked we haven't talked in a while. Uh, you, you are Jewish, right? You're Jewish, right? Uh, I'm actually right. I'm actually not. Uh, I'm, I'm raised Roman Catholic, but I, I have a great affinity for Jewish people in Israel. You're gay. That's what it. Is. Uh, okay. So so I'll, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I think part of part of and this is going to segue into. Kind of a little bit what I wanted to talk about later. Um, I think I, I'm not Jewish as far as um, like religious regions go, right? But um, my family, my family has is is Jewish. Like as far as like my ancestry. Yeah, I, I just uh, I just want to. The only reason I even asked that was just as an excuse to play the the clip of this. Yeah. You're Jewish, right? <laughs> uh, I'm actually I'm actually not. I'm, I'm raised Roman Catholic, but I, I have a great affinity for Jewish people in Israel. You're gay. That's what it. Is. Oh, you're gay. That's what it was. There's, that's not the same clip, right? Like that's two different things, right? No, it's the same clip. <laughs> that, that's really the same, same thing. I, I hope it's the same clip. <laughs> So here, here's why. Here's why my moniker or like my Twitter handle is awkward Jew, and uh, in in high school was the amazing Jew. So in high school, I I, I was a wrestling uh, athlete. Yeah, and uh, I wrestled. I remember you getting me one. in a headlock more than once at First Baptist. Yeah, and my my wrestling coach was like, um, I wrestled this guy from Stonewall High School. Was a he was a senior, and I was a freshman, and he had a swastika tattoo on his arm. And <laughs> whoa, <laughs> I I beat the absolute shit out of him. <laughs> and, and when he when he went to shake my coach's hand, he was my coach was like, "Hey, you know that kid is Jewish, right?" And <laughs> just like I guess I guess just to demasculate the guy wearing the swastika tattoo, I don't know, but. Uh, I mean, I kind of like kept with that Twitter, like that Twitter headline. And then in college, I'm just a socially awkward guy. So uh, my my coach found my Twitter account and he was like, hey, <laughs> instead of the amazing Jew, shouldn't you be the awkward Jew? And I was like, well, fuck it. <laughs> I, I guess I guess I guess I'll go with that. So I switched all my shit to the awkward Jew. OK, yeah. Um it used to yeah. be that awkward Jew. Now it's the awkward Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're I, not I a did, Jew. I did. 
Well, not a Jew religiously. Uh, ethnically, maybe. I don't oh, know. Not Jews. We love Jews here on the show. Jews rock! I love Jews! <laughs> we do love Jews here so, on the show. I can, I can give you, I can give you a little bit. I can give you a little bit of origin about the word Jew. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, so kind of like, kind of like the word Christian, it was used as a mocking, uh, mocking term at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when King Epiphanes the third of Persia, uh, invaded Jerusalem in 586 BC, he termed the, uh, people of the region as Jews or Jewish, which was meant to be a, an insult, right? And, uh, I guess the the insult kind of like left a mark on the people from that region, and they just started calling themselves Jews. Hmm. So okay, so, so it, where does that where does that word come from though? Like Jew, it like, comes, how do they it, come up with that? You know, I don't really entirely know like what that word means from mm -hmm. uh, the Persian from 586 BC, right? But uh, <laughs> I do know that it was meant as an insult. And it was meant as a kind of blanket term for the people of uh, somebody in a particular region uh, in the Middle East of, uh, yeah, uh, that that this uh, that King Epiphanes had conquered. Is that where, okay, King Epiphanes, is that where the term Epiphany comes from? Did King Epiphanes know something we didn't? So when I say, like, <laughs> oh, I just had an Epiphany... <laughs> I think it's spelled a little bit different. Okay, well, Epiphanies is e spitballing here. N I, yeah. It's like when you come up with a new like racial slang term from somebody. <laughs> you're like, I had an epiphanies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I did. I had a couple jokes I was going to make in response to that, but none of them seemed uh, kosher. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I did. I did mark. I did mark down a couple of things from the clip, um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember them. Uh, have you ever Have you guys ever read Noam Chomsky? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's and, and by the way, that's N O A M, not G N O M E. Yeah. So I think I think it's interesting that Noam Chomsky <laughs> has written has written an entire book about. Um, like the subjection of the Middle East and how the how the United States has basically put up these uh, these leaders in the Middle East, and he's a socialist, but he completely agrees on on a lot of the a lot of the misdeeds that the that the United States have, has done in the Middle East as libertarians, which it would seem like they would have a like a uh, ideological. Um, Battle against each other, but no, Noam Chomsky 100% agrees with uh, libertarians on the fact that uh, we've set up these satellite states in the Middle East, and you know the United States government is obviously like fucked. I do have a, uh, I do have a clip of Noam Chomsky talking about the Middle East. Really? Yeah. Y'all was in Iraq together? Yeah, we was in Iraq. What did you do? We was looking for weapons of mass destruction. 
Did you ever find him? You know goddamn well we ain't find him. What are you, some kind of political humorist? You carried you yeah. up in this bitch? I was looking for bitches, but they had that carpet shit all over them, and I couldn't see what they looked like. All that was really exposed was the eyes, and that wasn't enough for me, because, you know, shit, I'm looking at the eyes. The eyes can be pretty, and I take that carpet off, and then I got a tragedy. Well, no, we ain't fine. But I always say the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. What? Simply because you don't have evidence that something does exist does not mean that you have evidence that something doesn't exist. What? What country are you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yeah. So you understand the words I'm saying to you? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that there are known knowns and that there are known unknowns, but there's also unknown unknowns. Things we don't know that we don't know. So that was uh, Noam Chomsky on the Iraq War. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, I recognized the voice of Noam Chomsky immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very recognizable yeah. voice. Yeah, he played in Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, that was him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've actually, man, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of conversations with um, people in my family that are military members, and I don't understand why, why they see the need to like defend defend our current occupation in the Middle East the way that they do. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think uh, mm. I think the polling that came out when Ron Paul was running for president, and we'll get to Ron Paul later in the episode, but I think like when you have 80, 85, 90% of overseas military forces voting for Ron Paul, you have to you have to assume that most of the military doesn't support these foreign interventions. I mean, what really? What the fuck are we doing over there? Protecting the if, opium. If, if you want to, if you want, well, I mean, protecting the opium is a good answer because if you would have said gas, if you would have said gas or oil, I would have told you that you know the majority of our percentage of oil is gained from Canada and Mexico. I mean that's it, that's everybody's default answer, right? Is is that we're over there for the oil, or we're there, over there to protect, you know, whatever, or civil rights, or whatever the fuck people actually believe. But no, we're not over there to protect the oil. Most of our oil comes from Canada and Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I also there was think there's a, a big advantage uh, for us to be over there just in general as like a, just like a military presence in the Middle East, since there's a lot going on right there near Russia, uh, near Israel, all that kind of stuff. I feel like it's just good for, in a political sense, for the country just to be established in that area. Well, well, I did a paper. I did a paper on this in uh, mm-hmm. in college, and um, I have a bachelor's degree in political science. In case you guys didn't know. Um, do you know you know who pers- who provides ninety percent of the drones for America is Israel. So why would we not why would we not protect that interest in the Middle East? I just don't understand why we can't do it in a little bit of a more, uh, you know, econ- not economical. Uh, yeah, 
uh, in a more logistical way to protect our interests there as far as drones. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a better idea to just place troops in Israel or something like that, or just have like uh, like a United States force be present in that area to kind of like uh, be a mediator between Israel and all the surrounding countries uh, that they got problems with. Seems like no, it'd be a better the, idea than just invading. The United States <clears throat> loves to loves to police states. Like that's just that's just sem- like that's just how it is. They the United States. Uh, America, fuck yeah! I mean, walk walk carry heavy big stick, right? We carry the we we carry the police tower or the police mm-hmm. power in the Middle East, and that way we we control our political interests there. So instead of instead of holding it instead of holding it politically, we hold it militarily, which is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, then, like, what is it? Six hundred billion dollars got to go towards something, right? Like, we got to show something for it. So, you know, go over to the yeah. desert, blow some yeah, stuff up. Like, like in the in the stimulus bill, right? Six hundred billion dollars uh, went to Palestine gender studies. Yeah, it's like what? What's this money? Really? That to me, that just sounds like that just sounds like they're laundering money somewhere. They're just like this was just something that they were like, we're gonna Come give on. this money to like uh, some random group. And say it's for gender studies. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's, the United States. The United States has always hit their real interest from the American people. But but they open it. They open it up. They they say they say, hey, you can read. You can read the bills. You can read all this other shit, right? You we're being open with you. But realistically, what is the money actually going to? Obama phones, dude. Everybody in Cleveland, no minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He gave us a phone. He did give us a phone, man. That's where the tax dollars go to. Yeah. Let me me be right back. I have to pee because I've been drinking for this podcast. Um, I have to pee like the Dickens. Yeah, go ahead. uh, Caleb and I will hold down the fort while you're gone. Yeah, I will be right back on that point. Sucking in soot. Going back to what Kenny was talking about. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You will never see it coming. Never see it coming. Never see it coming. Man, I mean, why wouldn't you want drones, though? Like, if you got the, like, especially, like, I mean, let's not even, let's take, like, morality out of it. You've got um, the image that you're going to portray on TV, right? You want to send a bunch of soldiers over to occupy an area and then like there's a potential for them to get killed. And that looks terrible. I mean, I don't want anybody to die, especially the troops. But, you know, <laughs> they get killed. That's all over TV. Like, I mean, back when the uh, Iraq war first started, I remember seeing it on the nightly news. They'd have like a scrolling list of all the soldiers who'd been killed that week. And it was awful. Yeah, take that to the bank. So if- you can take that to the bank. Yeah. So if you could just have a bunch of drones flying around and just know, like, let the people know down there, like, hey, man, if you're uh, if you're one of them Al Qaeda's, if you're one of them uh, ISIS guys, if you're one of them old, ISIS. The old boys, that we ISIS? Don't like, yeah. Yeah, if you're one of them ISIS boys, you know, just know like there's like there's like about there's about thirty of them drones hovering up there, and they got enough like firepower to take out this whole town. Like you can't get away from these things; they're watching you. We got one I'm that's back. just watching you. We named it after you. <laughs> I'm back. Woo! Oh my God, what's um, up, Kenny? Welcome back. What's up? So I w- what I was gonna say before I before I left, um, oh I think it's really, 
I think it's really interesting what the what progressive uh, pro- progressives in this country have done to uh, kind of manipulate manipulate um, wording, diction, and what they what they uh, what they say, right? So, mm-hmm. um, instead of instead of like certain words, they'll use different words that sound a little softer, right? So instead of instead of saying socialist, they'll say progressive, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really interesting what they've done there. Now you think like that's just like because they're trying to get their agenda across and they want to make it more uh, palatable to a larger group of people, or like oh, abs- absolutely, they want to get it uh, palatable, more palatable to a larger group of people. Hmm. See, I feel like that's not like, I mean, I think that's the intention, but I just don't, I don't know if that's working because I feel like a lot of people kind of see um, what they're doing when they try to do that kind of stuff. Like when they reword, like, you know what they're talking about. Like, it, like if you're paying attention, you can tell what they're actually talking about. So yeah. If you're, like, if you're halfway, if you're like, if you're like, if you're having a an above average IQ, you know what they're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you don't, you have no clue. Yeah, let's be honest. I, I know guess, a lot of people that fall into that first category. True, <laughs> and I, I think it's really true yeah. with like younger people, like people like that, especially people. And I mean, this is just kind of a—it's not necessarily a hard and fast timeline, but people that were born after nine eleven seem to just have a kind of a different outlook on like politics and stuff than people that were alive for it. You know. Because yeah, you know, there was a, sh- a shift when that happened. There's a there's a really clear distinction between people born after 9-11 and people before 9-11 that either they love socialism and that's where that's the that's the way that they want to go or they're libertarian. They or anarchist. They love the idea. Ugh. They love the idea of of government controlling or regulating the least amount that they can possibly regulate. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just to quote John Tron here. Reopen that 9-11 investigation. What really happened there? What really happened? <laughs> but I, I do think there's a... Uh, say what you just said again, Kenny, because I think that bears repeating. The That the people... So people born after 9-11, they, they tend to either be socialist... And want the government to control everything, or they are complete anarchists and they want the government to control as least as possible. Yeah. Okay. Are you a fan of Michael Malice by chance? Because he's uh, fairly anarchist. I I have to say I've tried to shut off the news as much as possible, um, and shut off as much as I can. So I do not know who that is. Yeah, he's uh he he wrote Dear Reader which was hailed as racist because it was about North Korea instead of dear leader. He, dear reader, but, uh, it was dear reader is into the reader of the book. But yeah, I, Michael Malice is one of the funniest people that I can think of on Twitter. And his, um, the reason I bring him up is his, his general MO is anarchism. He thinks that even he goes as far as to say that police officers are unconstitutional. 
I don't know if I'd go that far, but I respect him and I love everything he has to say. So uh, my my opinion on that is um, I'm a minarchist. I'll I'll make that claim uh, as far as I can. I believe in the um, as little government as possible in order to function, right? And I believe I I, I halfway believe in the police department as far as a governmental organization because I just don't think that non or as or for profit or uh, police organizations work. Um, and I just I just don't know how. Um, I just don't know how far how how that would go. Hmm. Well, we no, all know no, it. No, you have a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead, Caleb. Okay, I was just gonna say, Kenny, you have some firsthand and personal experience with like the police department and everything. What would your uh, theoretical solution be? Because you said you don't really like the for profit system. What would be the better, maybe not the best, but a better system that would be uh, better for everybody? I think I think police falls under the one of the only things that would be a governmental organization as far as part of the criminal justice organization or criminal justice organization. The the problem is the problem is obviously like any type of any type of organization that has a power like that is subject to corruption and everything else. I mean, no. That could never happen. <laughs> You're right. Every government so, institution is pure as the driven snow. No one's yeah, ever committed a crime should, or used their power for anything other than gush. No, it's all altruistic in the government. Just remember what George Bush said during Hurricane Katrina. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. There's nothing corrupt about that at all. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> just send your cash <laughs> pass around an offered plate real quick at the news conference just whatever you can spare in the plate we're trying to help these wet people out they're drowning out there you know what's crazy you know what's crazy is that George Bush George Bush has an above average IQ no I don't think he's dumb but I think he was kept in the dark and that Cheney and Bush Sr. HW no. were running the 9/11 operation. I don't I, think they let I don't I think don't, they they let uh Bush Jr be involved in that at all. I think he was just totally in the dark. That's why he was reading what? the children's book to those kids for 14 minutes or whatever it was after the towers got hit. He was just like, oh, the goat and the thing and the big in, in that in that clip, you could see the look Motherf on his face. He had no idea what to do. He was like, Mother what "Motherfucker, <laughs> this dude has a this dude has a a degree from Yale. There is no way. There is no way that he wasn't a part of it, right? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. I agree there. that he had to have been had some knowledge of it. Maybe they kept him enough in the dark so that since he was president, uh, he didn't have direct accountability." I think because, I think like, the he, craziest thing that George Bush accomplished during his during his uh, presidency is do you guys do you guys know the do you guys know the single most important question during that campaign during the the two thousand campaign? Uh, no, no, fill me in. the 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 campaign the 
question of the campaign for um, surveyist was who do you think would you would rather have a beer with? Oh, right? that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, about and so, in my opinion, in my opinion, because George Bush graduated Yale, right? <laughs> he purposely toned, he purposely toned down his speech to an intellectual level. Kind of like Obama did, to an intellectual level where people would understand that he may not be that smart, but he's somebody that I wanted to have a beer with. He was personable, right? Mm-hmm. I think that don't, was the smartest thing that he ever did. Don't you can't talk about Obama that way, man. I mean, come on, you can't talk about Obama mm-hmm. like that. Okay, you know what? No, 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 no. Shout out to Phone Boy for uh, all the ISOs that I'm on looking at through his website on. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, no, yeah, no, uh, no, it's just. There's a, I think Bush definitely played up Texas like, I'm just an old Texas boy, man, I'm a idiot. And you're right, he he went to Yale so that he wasn't as dumb as he acted. But there was still some times where he said some really dumb shit. And don't we all? Oh. Mm-hmm. But every major politician does. Right. But yeah, Obama, I mean, Obama, much, do, do you really think it. Obama intentionally dumbed down his rhetoric? Because if me, it, from where I'm looking, Obama tried to sound smarter than he did. No, but there's a there's a difference in what Obama did. So Obama, what Obama did is he he made his voice into he understood he understood the power of social media, and he understood he understood uh, the power of like. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and so what he did is he MSNBC BC voice. Yeah, he he changed his voice into be to be like uh, bite sized clip bite sized clips. So you could listen you could listen to Obama and he would pause at really weird times. Right, all of that all of that shit was based on based on information that they had that. Okay, we want you to talk in this period of clips. So if somebody takes a clip, he's going to talk, he's going to stop for a little bit, and then he's going to continue on with whatever the hell he was talking about. Hello, so everybody. Little, so they could get little bits and cl- uh, bits and clips for the news media to make him sound really, really good. Yeah. I, oh, okay, that makes a I lot agree of sense. with you. Yeah. And that's why uh like No Agenda's been talking about there's a reason that it's all middlemen now in the media with Biden because they can't clip Biden because Biden sounds like a senile old fuck every time. It's like Because Biden is a senile old fuck. Yeah, so like they can't with Biden, they have to just tell you, here's what Biden said and quote it. Whereas with Obama or even with Trump or Bush, well, they would play it. They, Bush, they yeah. can't. They won't dare play clips of Biden because in every clip, Biden sounds fucking insane. Yeah, because he is a senile old man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 
I think even yeah. Trump, even tr- like Trump was Trump was the worst. Okay, let, let, let's hear your opinion on Trump because uh, I, I I don't I I, uh, I I don't think Trump was great, but I am opposed to the mainstream media's depiction of Trump. So I would like I am curious, Kenny, to hear your opinion on Trump. I mean, I think I obviously I think Trump's an idiot. Right? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, but. But I, I honestly don't think that he was behind the scenes on a lot of the shit that he did. Right? I mean, if I if I look up if I look up NW or NRA, NRA Okay. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, let's be nice. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Uh let's be All nice. Right. <laughs> I, I, if I go ahead. If I look up NRA <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. If I look up NRA, like legislature that Trump voted or Trump signed into law. It's insane. He banned right? bump stocks, right? Yeah, he banned bump stocks. He did a lot. He did a lot more shit than that. I can Google it. All right, right yeah, now. pull that up because I'm yeah, Trump and, and there was a lot of problems with Trump, but the the main reason that people of my ilk kind of appreciated him was one his apparent knack for truth telling and two what was really sealed the deal for a lot of us and I didn't vote for him to be clear I did not vote for him either time I voted for Kanye <laughs> but <laughs> to be to be to be clear uh what what really made a lot of people like Trump in the quote unquote conspiracy crowd was the fact that the entire mainstream media including Fox News hated his ass they hated him and so the enemy of my enemy is my friend was the outlook I always took. Right. Yeah, but look at look at it this way real quick though. Like Kenny was saying how Obama specifically went out of his way to have bite-sized clips that the media could rehash over and over and they would sound great. Trump did the exact opposite and never gave them anything to play that didn't make him sound bad. So they can't play this stuff and say that he's a good guy. It's like this now, dude's I, running I, I around almost, saying like I kind of disagree entirely with that. I think the reason he repeated him because like and no agenda pointed this out, which really made a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, four years ago, they brought this up during the 2016, 2015 debates. Mm-hmm. Was the reason Trump repeats himself every time he says anything three times in a row is because he knows that it's the media just takes sound bites. So he has to like really play to their sound bite taking needs to get the sound bites in. Uh, I don't know about that. I think that's called um, being on a whole lot of uppers because he's 70 <laughs> something years old and the president the and he just has to keep the pseudofed. Yeah. The, the pseudofed with the real ephedrine in it. Yeah, he's just popping like six of those a day and then running around talking all the time everywhere. Man, I'd love he to forget what some, he says. I'd love to take some pseudofed and go out on the lake, man. And Come I on. just wish I had time. I'd get on one of those boats. <laughs> so, so here, here was the here was the one that me and my friend were arguing about. Is that uh, Trump outlawed the publication of three D blueprints? For 3D printing of guns. Oh, right? what did he? Mm, what an yeah, asshole! I know that was him. That sounds like something um, Bo Jiden would do. I knew those. I know those were like they got made illegal. I didn't realize that was uh, Bush that did. I thought that happened to. Her. I mean, I don't know the time frame. I mean, it it was under Trump, but I mean, 
if I want to, if if I understand the 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 problems with 3D guns, 3D printed guns, right? And I want to mm-hmm. print them. Then who the who the fuck is the government to say that I don't want to print them, right? Exactly. I mean, my my entire my entire problem with both Democrats and Republicans is that who the fuck are you to say what I do and don't want to do? And why are, why are you outlawing it? I agree. Yeah, ding ding on Thank that. You. Totally. And and they and, they decide different things like with the Democrats, it's like you're not allowed to have guns, but you are allowed to abortion. have abortions. And with the Republicans, it's like you're not allowed to have abortions, but you are allowed to have guns. And it's like, why don't we all just everybody let the individual make their own individual decisions like the Constitution dictates? But no, that's yeah. just way too much. Yeah, I agree. Like anything, anything should be legal. As as long as it doesn't hurt, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, right? Hashtag so, legalized work, rape. So working in law. So <laughs> here, here's 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 where I disagree with that, right? I'm joking. Is, <laughs> you inherently hurt another person when you do that. That's like so, that murder, I'm like the two where you have to hurt another person. <laughs> so I spoke out. I spoke out in this college debate. In this, <sighs> I was in I was in college, and I spoke out in this college debate. Hashtag I said. I said, why do you not, why, why should we, you know, legalize fucking meth, right? Mm. Anything, anything that has the, um, that has the victim as society, it shouldn't be there. You have to have a specific victim for a crime, right? Mm-hmm. For a crime to have happened, you have to have a specific victim. So... Anything else, I think, is non-victim or non-victim crimes, right? I agree. Mm-hmm. Especially I, when it's something you're only doing to yourself, like doing meth. Like maybe making meth, you could say that that's a crime against people in the direct vicinity of it because a, if the person doesn't know what they're doing, they could explode, and you it's know, a crime against AMC. Be- so I have to, I have to, uh, I have to make these arrest reports all the fucking time. Where people brought drugs like into my facility or, you know, whatever. And I have to put the victim as society, right? But really? who the fuck? Yeah, but who the fuck is that really hurting? So, yeah, that do you make have, any okay, sense. do you ever feel, and feel free to, you don't have to answer this question, but I'm wondering now that you said that, do you ever feel guilty for your job because you have to enforce drug laws that you don't agree with? The only the only time that I've ever felt guilty is when I had to charge an eighteen year old with uh, having cocaine on him. Was that Lucas? And I'm like, no, it, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't him. And I had I had to charge him. I had to charge him with introduction, right, which is a felony. And I'm like, otherwise on the street, this would be a misdemeanor. But when you bring it into the jail, it's a felony. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, it's fucking cocaine. Right? I've done this shit before. Allegedly. So why the fuck do Allegedly. I- Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. So why the fuck do I have to charge this dude with it? Right. And so, I, but I had, to, I had to charge him with it. He got charged for introduction of a, a prohibited substance. And, you know, it ended up, ended up getting dropped. 
Oh, that's good. Sometimes, sometimes I will purposely write the reports to where I know that the lawyers will get it dropped. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. 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 There's a lot of allegedly in this episode. <laughs> yeah, allegedly I will. Oh, I will, God, I'm talking I to will. myself. That's a side effect of the marijuana poisoning. Yeah, allegedly <laughs> allegedly, I will purposely write the report so I know that the the defendant is okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead, Caleb. <laughs> I got to oh. take a leak anyway. Uh, you guys talk much uh, yourself. Yeah. But, but I was going to say, when you write down, uh, like, the victim is society, like, what, that, does that just mean that they committed a crime, like, in general? Is that, that's like, a generalization? Is that, like, it's yeah. not a crime against the state or the country? You write society? Yeah, so. It's not like. But mostly, mostly with drug crimes, right? If mm-hmm. um, somebody, if somebody comes in and they have, like, a simple possession charge, Whatever on them, mm. the victim is not. You can't. You can't point out a victim, right? So your yeah. victim is inherently society. It's the rest of the public. That's so crazy because, like, what is especially on a simple possession charge? That's like, uh, it's not even like that's a tiny amount of whatever substance it is. How is anybody truly affected by that? Even the person who has it. I mean, I guess there's certain drugs that could kill you or kill someone if you like dose them with it or something. But in general, it's not even enough to really cause major problems. So how can so th- in the jail? In the jail, I can under I can kind of understand why, right? Mm-hmm. Out in the public, if it's a personal if it's a personal amount of use. I don't understand. But out in the jail, right, what happens is somebody will bring bring drugs in. Other people other than the person that brought the drugs in will use the drugs. And it will start this whole fucking big thing where uh, people will be attacked. Hits will be put out on people. Just shit will happen inside the jail that doesn't necessarily correlate with the drug charge. But that's what ends up happening. And I have. That's what I, you meant. Yeah, I do have a good story about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Whenever, whenever Chris gets back, but okay. Yeah. So, so, so that's what introduction means. Then is someone is trying to bring drugs into the jail, and it's called introduction yeah. because it introduces like I, I guess problems because it's like a foreign substance and people get high and go nuts or other people find out they have them and they want to like steal them or kill them or whatever else. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're in if you're in Tennessee, there's three different statutes for introduction, right? There's uh, drugs, there's drug paraphernalia, which means like needles, straws, anything else that can be used to consume drugs, or there's weapons, and weapons is like knives, guns, anything like that. You can also get an introduction charge if you bring a cell phone into a jail, which I don't completely understand oh. that, but yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like, I knew you're not allowed to have, I mean, on most jails, you're not allowed to have cell phones. I think, aren't there some where you can, like, buy them from the jail and use them or something? Generally, generally, I think that's prison. That you oh, can buy them. yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so, but, but I mean, jails, I guess I... Jails uh, can serve to misdemeanor, 
crimes, not not really felonies. Uh, if you're serving, if you're serving more than a year, you're probably going to go to prison. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, man. Now that sounds like working at a jail sounds like that doesn't sound fun. But working at a prison so, sounds like like I mean, what, what have you ever worked at a prison or have you only worked at a at a jail? I've only worked in the jail, but I'm looking. I'm looking at the uh, the live feed, and Chris is asking me to tell the story. Okay. Go so, so there was this dude, um, and I'm not going to give away his name, but he had they had gotten jail there. They had gotten drugs into the jail, and they had they had bribed this dude. They like, hey, we'll give you some drugs if you attack the next officer that comes in. To uh, into the pod to uh, if you'll attack him, and so what happens is that I end up being the next officer in the pod. Oh and, no! And so he hits me. He hits me in the face, mm-hmm. and I go fucking. I'm I'm like, what the fuck is going on? He just this dude just hit me. So I kind of I kind of go into my wrestling and jujitsu mode. Mm-hmm. And get him down on the ground, like everything else. But the reason, I mean, the whole reason that dude assaulted me, basically, right? He assaulted me was yeah. um, because because of these drugs that were in the facility at the time. Yeah, well, well that, that sounds crazy. Like that's like like why did they just want him to attack the next guard? Like, I mean, that can't end well for the guy who's doing the attacking of the guard of you in this situation. Well. I think I don't think that they expected it to be me. I don't think yeah. they expected I don't think they expected my level of uh wrestling and jujitsu mm-hmm. in the matter. Yeah. And so I think they they were just gonna see this guy knock like knock somebody out and mm-hmm. walk away. And it ended up he hit me, I did not get knocked out, I ended up fucking him up. Hell yeah. Because because that's my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I get if I get hit, I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Definitely, with the level of self defense training and everything that you have, yeah, that seems invaluable in a situation like that. Like it seems like like they don't requ- they do they not require the rest of the guards and everything like the guards and everything to have some kind of self defense training like that. Because that our, seems like our, it's invaluable in that situation. Our self defense training is really lacking. Hmm. So, I don't really know what to say on that, right? Uh, yeah. Basically, basically, if you get attacked at our jail, you're really, you're really hoping like five other people come to your defense. Gotcha. Yeah. But now, can you sh- like, can you shoot the prisoner? <laughs> we can tase. Yeah. We have a taser and pepper spray. Mm-hmm. But I, I generally don't carry that shit on me. Gotcha. Because, because in the, like in a in a jail setting, right, not carrying that shit on you gains a lot of respect from people. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I don't carry it on me, they're like, "Oh shit, don't don't uh, don't mess with this dude. He's gonna fuck you up." Gotcha. It's like you're walking around. And you're like, I know I can defend myself. I don't need the taser, or the pepper spray, or anything. Yeah. Granted, granted, I am I am a taser instructor. Mm-hmm. So I uh I I I train part of my job is to train people to use tasers. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay, let me ask you this then. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a taser? Yes. Absolutely. Oh god. Okay, what what how is I've I've always heard it's bad, but like like how bad is it? Um So it locks your it locks your body up, right? You can't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um and how how crass am I allowed to be on the show? Man, you can say whatever the fuck you want, man. All right. It gets my dick hard. <laughs> and it gets, and it gets me a yeah. headache. And it gives me a headache. That's about it. I'd much That's the rather same thing that happens every time my dick gets hard. I get a headache. <laughs> and I would, I would, I would much rather be pepper or tased than pepper sprayed. Pepper spraying mm-hmm. sucks, but being tased isn't so bad. I mean, okay, so, like I so said, pepper spray is worse than being tased. I mean, yeah, yeah the dick getting hard sounds cool, but get, it, gives it, me a headache. Gets my dick. Gives me a headache. Gets my dick hard. <laughs> I don't give a shit about being tased. Hell yeah. So what's so bad about being pepper sprayed then? So the last time I the last time I was pepper sprayed, I got an entire like so one half of my face was entirely burned. Mm. Um and I think that's just because I'm white. Like super white. <laughs> so like half of my face got burned. I looked like fucking two face from Batman. Oh, shit. Yeah. And uh it just hurt for like thirty minutes. Wow. So it like literally got burned. I didn't realize it like uh like, like pepper spray actually burned. I thought it just like was like uh I don't know what I thought it was like like cayenne yeah. pepper in a liquid form. No, know. it's 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 capsation. So if you get if you get pepper sprayed, you're looking at about like sixteen million Scovilles. Mm. Holy which crap. Is, Whoa, what which, the hell? Which is the top of the Scoville scale? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, like the 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 Carolina Reaper, the hottest pepper that's out there is like three point two. I think is the highest recorded. Three point two million is the highest recorded Scoville scale on the Carolina oh, no. Reaper. Not not even close. Not even close. Yeah, I I so I've had a hot sauce mm-hmm. that and in the live chat that other John mm-hmm. can testify. We've had a hot right. sauce that was six million Scovilles. Holy shit! Yeah, where'd you get this from? What is what is it called? What kind of peppers was in it? Uh, Pepper Palace from Pepper Palace from Gallenberg. Oh shit! That's where old Chris used to work. Yeah, yeah. Scoville scale is insane. Six million. Yeah, six million. So it's basically like you had like a. a so pepper spray is like you had a jar of that hot sauce, like a double strength jar of that hot sauce, poured on your face. <laughs> I got I got to jump awful. in here real quick. As someone, as someone who worked for multiple years at the Pepper Palace in Gallenberg, gotta jump in. Pop this beer up. Mm. Go ahead. Everybody had to sign six. a waiver when they came in to try the hottest sauce we had, which was like six point. I think the hottest one we ever had was six point two million Scoville, something like that. How in the hell does it get to? Say, I could have swore. I'm gonna look this up. They got to concentrate it. They have swore. to concentrate it. The oh, hottest, okay. Because the- it's a concentrate. So yeah. like the, it was flashbang, and then we had one later on. We got higher than flashbang, and it, it was hilarious because we had a flashing light. 
in the store that was like literally like a siren light above the above the hottest sauce we had, and it had an arrow point down that said hottest sauce, and people would still come in and stand right by it and go, "What's the hottest sauce you have?" <laughs> and you usually in Gatlinburg, dude. I, I worked at the Kodak one. I worked at both the Gatlinburg stores. Usually they were hammered, and like a, we had to have an ambulance called more than once because some guy would sign it and then fucking go into, I don't know if it was cardiac arrest. I don't know what it was, but like people would, one dude almost drowned himself in the uh, Gatlinburg uh, fountain. Crazy dude. It was crazy. That was, that was a crazy job to have because yeah, it's like constantly drunk assholes would come in and be like, what's the hottest sauce you got? I can take it. I can take it. Just drip it on my tongue. It's like, no, you're supposed to dip a toothpick in and just taste a little bit of it. No, bro, just drip it on my tongue. I'll be good. And they never were. They were never good. So so I have a Twitch stream, and generally on my Twitch stream, what I do is, um, like, for a sub goal, I will eat, like, really hot peppers or eat, like, uh, I've done the world hot, world's hottest chocolate. Um, I've done... I've done the one chip challenge and stuff like that. And, uh, that shit, that shit is nothing compared to, uh, the hot sauce that I ate. That shit was, that know, shit was fucking awful. Fletcher in the chat says you need to be on hot ones. Fletcher in the chat says I need to be on hot ones. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would a hundred percent guarantee or like I would a hundred percent uh, agree. Because I've actually I, I, signed as someone. I worked at a hot sauce store. I don't. I I doubt my hot sauce skills for tolerance are as high as yours. But because I haven't fucked with pepper spray, but I, uh, I, I like I I can tell you as someone who worked at a hot sauce store, all those hot sauces they use on hot ones are not actually that hot. No, no, they're not. And I've done so. I've done at least six million Scobills. Uh, as far as eating it, noise. As far as eating it, um, and I've signed up for the quiz show that the Hot Ones does, but I never got a message back. <laughs> Gay. Yeah, they 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 have a they have a quiz show now where you eat like super hot shit and then you answer quiz questions. And oh so shit! I, I, this sounds fun. It's like Jeopardy, saw, but with high stakes. <laughs> I like I, I I applied for that shit, and nobody ever messaged me back. So, oh man, we need some hot chicken from Kenny, man. Check hot out the song chicken. I'm working on. Hot chicken, hot chicken, what you miss? Tell me what you miss. Actually, yeah. So so Fletcher, John Fletcher, combat cook. Yeah, I think you guys had him on the show before. Yeah. Right? He was actually the one that made the chicken uh, that was 6 million Scobills. He used, he used my hot sauce and uh, made chicken that was like 6 million Scobills. I hope that's all. I hope that's true. Fletcher confirmed oh. in the chat. It's no, a, that's, probably that's a common a, name. That's 100% true. Oh, hell yeah. I, I was... I was there. I w- I mean, I ate some of it. Um, Are you saying you met John Fletcher of the Hog Story? 
John Fletcher? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, no way, dude. Me and, me and him are good friends. Are you fucking with me? No. No, me and him are good friends. All right. Well, that blows my mind. Shout out John Fletcher of the Hog Story. Good friends with Kenny Campbell. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking. I was looking through you guys's. Uh, I was looking through you guys's like podcast, obviously. And uh, I, I just noticed, like, uh, oh hey, John Fletcher's on there. That's probably him. So I mean, he is John Fletcher. So yeah, I, it's a. Uh, yeah, now he's Unless, he's in Texas, and Texas. Uh, if maybe if you put maybe beans in the not. chili in Texas, it's not really chili. Is this maybe the same? it's not? Maybe it's a different John Fletcher. Holy shit! Possibly, but this that, John that is very possible. But I will confirm that the John Fletcher currently in the chat of Hog Story is the best John Fletcher that exists. So <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at it. It says, "Are you sure it's me?" I don't know if it's actually John Fletcher. Holy shit. Well, the John if Fletcher you're true, talking about, is that Fletcher from Texas? Um, He is he is from Texas, but he's... Uh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> he is now in Tennessee. So he's well, it's from not, it's Texas. Not, it's not him, then. But he's originally from Tennessee, yeah. So it's yeah, not it's, him. That's yeah, because this, this, the John Fletcher in the chat is uh, still in Texas, unless he left so, in the last 24 hours. So that's crazy that uh, the John Fletcher from Texas, <laughs> there is another Fletcher in Tennessee that does cooking and does barbecue and shit, and he made uh, he made hot wings for me. You got to hook that's me up with that, Fletcher, because I'm in Tennessee. So You know Levi? Yeah, I think he hates me, but yeah, I know who he is. His brother. His brother's... Oh shit, Levi Fletcher. What oh, am I JD. Thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Levi Fletcher. JD his brother's Fletcher. name is his number his brother's name is John. And he he, oh, he shit. cooks some he cooks amazing food and he made those he made those hot wings that me and him tried. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, so there's two Fletchers out there. Two John oh, Fletchers. Oh my god. Yep. Oh my god. Well, well, the John Fletcher, I, 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 I haven't seen Levi's brother in a long time, but I can tell you without a doubt that the John Fletcher in the chat is a fucking dope-ass motherfucker. I guarantee it. With that last name, how could you not be? True. 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 Trails. Man, those things aren't real. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> Whatever you say, if man. We're, if we're if we're going on the uh if we're going on the segue of hot food, dude, I've I've had a shit ton. So there's this dude that sent me this uh beef jerky from twitch.tv. He sent me this beef jerky and it's super hot and it's ghost pepper. They have ghost pepper, Carolina Reaper, um, 
furiously typing. Furiously typing. I have to tell you what, these sweet waters, man. They do they do the job. I'm on number know, three right man. now. Sweetwater's pretty good, but I don't know. America's original lager. I think that's the way to go. Well, I mean, Would if you- we're talking good beer, we can't leave out Milwaukee's best. Well, we're- <laughs> good beer and Milwaukee's best are never to be in the same sentence unless is not is also included is that sentence. Yingling. That's- Yingling. 1829. Hey, the Yingling black and tans ain't bad. They're pretty good. I like the original. The original Lager. Yeah. Are you talking about the Yingling? Are you right still now? drinking on Blanton's, yeah. Kenny? Are you still drinking Blanton's? That fancy what ass the shit. Hell's a Blanton's? I I actually finished up my my drink. Blanton's. What's that run? About a hundred and twenty dollars a bottle. So in Tennessee, I found that it runs about $180 a bottle. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Blanton's is no what? joke. Like, when Kenny told Jeez. me, I said, I, when Kenny told me I'm busting out the Blanton's for this episode, I was like, dude, respect. Blanton's? What is, what is, I've looked this shit, $180, what in the world? Dude, no, Blanton's, so, like, I work at a liquor store. People come Blanton's in, con- every day, multiple people come in asking for Blanton's, and we're like, sorry, Ooh. we already sold out. We get about 12 bottles allocated every week, and within that day, they are gone. Oh, my so the, God, the cheapest so one Blanton- I see is 198 Exactly. So, Blanton's runs a lottery service. So what they do is they put numbers into a hat, and they'll send it out to uh, those specific stores, right? And those okay. stores, those stores will um, price whatever they think Bland's is worth. Mm. My cousin, my cousin works at a liquor store, and she she paid for a bottle of Bland's for me. And bought it for me for seventy bucks. Holy! Wow! How'd she get that deal? Cause she, cause it's in Kentucky. Dude, oh, it's, it's lavish just, uh, they may, Oh, okay. Lavish yeah. in the chat so, just put a link to Blanton's uh, website, and yeah, that so, same bottle I was saying was one eighty is like two twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the first one that comes up, the single barrel bourbon is two twenty nine. Yeah. It's supply and demand. So, so we're selling it cheaper than I thought at, at my store. Yeah, um, I I just knew I just know that my cousin gets a shit ton of it, and she gave it to me for free. <laughs> oh hell yeah, hell yeah! Hook me up if with that. If you really want to know, so have you ever heard of Opepis? No, no. So there's this bourbon bottle, Opepi Van Winkle. Is he the brother of Rip Van Winkle? No, I don't think so. Oh, Pappy Van! Holy crap! Oh, Pappy Van Winkle! Oh, Pappy Van Winkle! Man, this is the kind of man. This is the kind of shit you gotta sell your house to have a sip of. What in the world? So. There's the there's the twelve year or the fifteen year, mm-hmm. which I think my I think is worth like 
around 1500 right? I'm looking at one right now from Wooden Court. Pappy Van Winkle, 15-year bourbon, $24.99. What <laughs> in the world? So the same car right there. It, you, the okay. Same. First of all, first of all, <laughs> you, you do not need to spend that much money on booze. We heard that from money. Shout out, Lucas. So, so old, old Pappy. You drink 18 beers, a 4.2 alcohol percentage of whatever kind of beer you want. It doesn't really, it honestly doesn't really fucking matter. You don't need to spend that much money. So, my sister got a bottle of this for $70. Oh shit! She got the pappy for seventy dollars. How did she do that? Because my cousin is is the owner of a liquor store. She she Kentucky. stole it. That shit that shit is so expensive that I don't even think we sell it at my liquor store. And I and I work at a pretty classy liquor store as far as liquor stores I've, go. I have I have only seen one bottle ever of it, and it was eight hundred dollars. Jesus. Ah. Oh, dude, you're hundred dollars. You know what's funny? Uh, Don, there's this Don Julio tall bottle, like a tall bottle of Don Julio. Like most Don Julios, are short bottles. There's this like the weird Don Julio bottle that we keep locked up in the case. That's like two hundred ninety nine dollars a bottle. There's these two black dudes with dreads that come in like once a month and buy three bottles of it, and we only get six bottles every two months. And they'll just come in, and they're the only ones to buy it. And it's like they'll spend six hundred bucks, and they come in reeking of weed, like reeking of weed. It's awesome. It's like I don't know what you guys are doing, but keep doing it because you guys are fucking nailing it, dude. Fuck, fucking love those guys. <laughs> that shit. I just want a taste of it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like something. Like I just want a shot of something that's like. Fucking twelve hundred or fifteen hundred dollars a bottle. I just want a yeah. shot of it. Yeah, it's just a taste, just a, a just a little bit. I don't even have to be the whole shot. I can almost guarantee you, it's not going to be is live up to the expectation. <laughs> Absolutely okay. not. Real quick, I'm looking at Pappy Van Winkle, twenty five years old decanter, <laughs> old Rip Van Winkle, twenty five year private reserve. It is thirty four thousand nine hundred dollars on the Bourbon Concierge. If you have thirty five thousand dollars to spend on a single bottle of liquor, you are just doing it wrong. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it oh, wrong. Spend like that money. money on anything else. I like money, There's man. So many- yeah. I like how- money, though. I love, I love bourbon. I love bourbon. But how good can that shit be? It can't be. It like, can't be I- worth $35,000. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite bourbon is Old Rebel or Rebel Yell. Oh, and Rebel Yell, like, dude, that's 100 proof. Dude, Rebel Yell will get you where you need to go. Like, you drink, dude. like, the, we sell the minis of Rebel Yell. It's more expensive to get the minis for the amount of quantity, because we did the math. It's more expensive to get Rebel Yell minis for the same amount it'll take to get you a 750 milliliter bottle. Rebel dude. Yell will get you fucked up. I've seen my coworkers, allegedly, get 
fucked up on Rebel Yell on the job. That shit. And that. We'll get and you that fucked shit's up good. So fast. And that well, shit's I good. I don't know about good, but it'll get you fucked up really no. fast. No, <laughs> that shit's good. <laughs> like compared to compared to like other other bourbons that I've had, <laughs> that shit is good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's in the good price range. It's looking like it's twenty two bucks for a seven fifty. That's pretty yeah, good. That's yeah, no, like what I would consider mid to mid high tier bourbon right there. Mid high. What do you consider it. low high? Fucking shit water. Uh, T uh, W Samuels and uh, Kentucky Deluxe. <laughs> if you bring up Kentucky Deluxe one more time, you are not allowed. I love Kentucky I have, Deluxe. I've never been more Man. sick in my life than at the Blue House on Kentucky that, Deluxe. That, that shit was nasty, but damn, it was $5, and it got me so hammered that I can't remember what I said to that dude at the Mexican restaurant, but I handed him a $5 bill, and he he looked real confused, and walked out. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, oh, shit. Uh, I'm getting more wine. I'm getting more wine. No, help yourself. $36 a bottle. Please enjoy it. $36 a bottle. Please enjoy it. I have I have spent the last few months making myself a bourbon connoisseur, and nothing is better than the fucking Rebel Yell at sixteen dollars a bottle. <laughs> I mean, it okay. Rebel Yell will get you fucked up. I'll tell you that. That's it, for sure. Do you know how to make a brass it monkey? It gets you, it gets no, you fucked up, and you're good. Fill me in on this. I'm I'm, I'm really interested. You drink uh, I think it's like a fourth of an old English, and then you fill it up with orange juice. A brass monkey is orange yeah. juice in Old English. Really interesting. Huh. That's uh, if you ever listen to the old Beastie Boys song, they sing about a brass monkey. That oh is, yeah, that is oh, how you. Everybody's make. heard the brass monkey. Yeah, a Beastie Boys is shit. Yeah, the best Jewish but, uh, fucking that... rap group you ever heard. <laughs> I mean, you you walk in a gas station <laughs> with twenty bucks, specifically for hurricanes, like. Yeah, there's no way you're walking out of there with $20 worth of Hurricane malt liquor and you're not going to get just blackout drunk. There's just no way. I always play those clips just for me because I know no one appreciates them nearly as much as I do. <laughs> so, I have I have one other thing on my notepad Yeah. Um, to talk about. Okay. And it's it's about my my college time. So the time I was in college, there was this professor, and his name was Doctor Pilot. And any time that a uh, political person was involved, he was not allowed to be at the assembly <laughs> because he had a history. He had a history of cursing out politicians. So. <laughs> So Rand, Rand Paul, not Ron Paul, came to visit, and Doctor Pilot was not allowed there because if Doctor Pilot was allowed there, he was going to curse him out. Even though Rand Paul, I believe, is an awesome person, everything else, Doctor Pilot was. Have not you seen allowed Rand Paul? Man, look at that guy. That guy's great. I mean, look at that face. God. <laughs> Rand Paul, Rand Paul is is good. He is not nearly as good as his daddy. I've always I'll said that, that Rand Paul sucks compared to his dad, but he's still like 
it, even if you're only 10% of Ron Paul, that's still better than most politicians. He is way better than Ron Paul. Or not. Wait, what? Vice versa. Sorry. R- Ron Paul is way better than Rand Paul. Yeah, exactly. That's what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That liquor's getting to 100%. you. 100%. That Bland's is, is working a little too hard. It is that working very hard. Multi-hundred dollar bourbon's finally <laughs> catching up to you. All right. <laughs> no. Ron Paul, Ron Paul is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Rand Paul, Rand Paul, not so much. His Rand Paul's foreign policies is okay. His mm-hmm. domestic policy is kind of lacking. Well, he definitely swings a little more left than Ron does, but yeah, I, over. But I mean, compared to the rest of the people out there, I still like Rand Paul better than most of the other people out there. So what drives me crazy not, is you're hating me right now no, I love because you. you're not drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Rand, Rand is. A lot better than the majority of the people that are currently running uh, for office or I don't know what you're talking Senate. about, man. I'd take AOC over Rand all day. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you guys. A- AOC just ends up pissing me off. No, no. AOC's never said anything controversial, crazy, or out of line. I, everything what? AOC have said is, is the complete gospel. My, my biggest problem with her is exactly what Ron Paul said. It's like, when these guys are out there, or guys, these people are out there doing political theater, that's her. That's 100% what she is. She's political theater. She just goes out there and she well, has she's like a, a political character bartender. she plays. <laughs> Listen, I don't mean I don't mean she's a bitch in a disrespectful yeah, way. Yeah, but I don't mean you, bitches in a disrespectful way. I mean it as a general uh, word for women. I mean she's a bitch in a general way, not <laughs> She is though. <laughs> I hate her. But she yeah, sucks. She's, yeah. uh, okay okay, so let me uh, uh well, unless you guys want to talk some more Ron Paul, before. yeah, you got. Yeah, we can go Ron Paul, but I got. I still have these Ron Paul I, clips I've been sitting on since the beginning of the episode, so I'll so sit on Rand Paul. You got Ron Rand Paul. Paul clips. Ron Paul. You got Ron Paul. You got Daddy Paul. Yeah, you I got, got Daddy, Daddy Paul. Paul. You want me to play him now, or you want to talk about little Daddy Paul? A little. I mean, I mean are they Daddy any good? Daddy right. Paul is my favorite. Okay, well, here <laughs> is Paul. Rush Limbaugh, our rest in peace. I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but here's him being completely wrong about Ron Paul. I'm, I'm sorry, okay. uh, but this Ron Paul is going to destroy this party if they keep, if, if this, this, this is nuts on parade. The media loves this guy as nuts on parade. <laughs> they want the whole Republican Party to be identified with the kookiness of Ron Paul. Hey, let Ron get nukes. It's our fault anyway. Let it run, get nukes. It's our fault anyway. That's what Rush Limbaugh had to say about Rump. <laughs> I think oh, I actually Jesus remember Christ. that. That was a that was a while back, right? Like that was like two thousand like four, two thousand five, something like that. I think it was two thousand eight when he was running against Obama the first time. Mm. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I remember him talking about that because uh, 
compared to the rest of the Republicans that were running, Ron Paul was the only like standout one that said anything that wasn't just like complete Republican party line towing bullshit. And, he was and yeah, the only heard, one who was you heard out about what the stuff. fuck you heard what was going on. Uh, you, I mean, you you heard what was going on with the uh, clips at the intro where they're like. Every time Ron Paul's on CNN or MSNBC, they're like, oh, sorry, the feed just died. Or anytime somebody talks good about Ron Paul, they're like, oh, the Wolf Blitzer would always be like, oh. And there's dozens of examples of this where it's like, oh, oh, whoops, the feed just died. My bad. Sorry. Mm. You know, that was probably almost like a subliminal thing that they were trying to do to connect people to, like, problems with Ron Paul. You feel me? It's like, this dude can't even fucking talk on TV without it cutting out on him, you know? How's he going to be president if he can't even, like, you know, he's going to try to do something and the intercom's not going to work. Every time he talks, the TV cuts out. How can he be president? (laughs) 1979 happened because they weren't minding our own business. That audience goes nuts. Oh, my gosh. What am I watching here? Oh, look who's on Fox. Oh, 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 there he is outside the ice cream stand. Good old Ron Paul. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we need. More of that. I saw a video clip, and I forgot to send it to Jaron. It was, um, it's in uh, Paul Watson's article from um, from Saturday. What's the headline? Forget the hoax. Ron Paul is a presidential frontrunner. And in that is a clip of Limbaugh in his studio. Looks like his home studio, not the regular one. And he's talking horrible about Ron Paul and has genuine hatred of him. And then he turns to the television and he says, there he is, in front of the ice cream stand in Iowa. And goes, this is just great. It's funny because I'd seen that same day, I guess later in the afternoon, Ron Paul at the, in front of the ice cream stand. Where they were interviewing people at the Iowa straw poll. And it was that hatred that he had. That's why you never hear me come out and bash Rush Limbaugh and talk about how he's a drug addict, pill head, uh, synthetic heroin head, uh, and all the rest of it, because you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I don't like just hating on other media personalities. But to see his hatred of Ron Paul, to see him demonize Ron Paul, to see him say, Ron Paul can't win, it'll destroy the Republican Party. Hey, hey, Rush, if people like Ron Paul don't get into power in this country, America's over, buddy boy. Ron He's Paul right. has He's laid right. out everything that was going to happen with total precision. Buddy boy. And He's it's right. archetypal. Alex is fucking right, though. Alex is yeah, right, right about yeah. Ron Paul being the necessary type of person to run the country or we're fucked. I 100% agree. I mean, I think almost a, a more important part that Ron Paul plays, rather than running the country, is being kind of a third intermediate style voice. Like he wasn't hardcore Republican. He had a little bit of left leaning ideas, but overall, he was kind of just more sensible about a lot of things. There were some things that were a little out there, but overall, okay, name he was one more thing like that was a little out there. Person. How about that? Name one thing that was a little out there. Uh, Okay, well, when I say a little out there, let's look at this. Like he wanted like a uh, backed currency, right? Gold back. He wanted our cur- he wanted That's gold back currency. It, now it is because there's not enough gold to back our currency. So yeah, you're asking for and that's his it's fault. Like, it's not his fault, but like when you say like we need a gold back currency when we have we like do. hundreds of trillions of 
when we have hundreds of trillions of American dollars out there and we only have like, I don't remember, I don't know what the exact amount, but we do not have that much gold in the entire world, let alone in the U.S. uh possession of the u.s economy or u.s government you can't do that like you can't you have to like the idea is still solid to have the currency be backed by something tangible (sighs) having a gold-backed currency is not uh plausible it's not probable it's not something that's like easily done not something we could really do without having a whole lot of deflation which is really difficult so i'll argue against this in the sense that the entire United United States economy is not back. It, it is not backed by a gold standard, right? Mm. It's not backed by a silver standard, anything like that. It is backed by the standard of um, United States military power, right? Mm. Yeah, and that's that. That's what the that's what the United States uh, U.S. dollars backed by. It is backed by the fact that we can fuck up any country we want to at any time we want to. Hell yeah, Merck. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that. Is that not the truth? I mean, I we mean, can yeah. we can fuck up any. I'm country sending we that want love at you right now. We send that it love is, bomb out to the Middle East, and they love it. Oh, absolutely. And and not only that, it's political power as well, right? Globalization in general. Is is the fact that we won't fuck up, we won't fuck, we won't fuck you up, right? As long as as long as you pay your dues, right? As long as you come to the UN, as long as you come to this dip like these different uh, international um, organizations, as long as you if you don't come to these, then we're gonna fuck you up. Mm. If if you don't, yeah. We're gonna send some troops in. We're gonna like calm everything over, and then we're okay. But that's what the United States currency is backed on. Yeah, I, God I forbid totally the IRS comes for you. Uh, that's inside the U.S. economy, though, on a world standard. Yeah, the U.S. military and the fact I that love we how spend both of you guys are hitting your technology. desk like this in the same way that Alex Jones does, where Alex is like. I'm sick of this. I'm I sick wish, of it. You I, guys are wait, both wait, hitting your. Let desk. me find some. I'm, I'm gonna find some papers real quick. I can't take it anymore. They're turning you guys. They're turning everybody the gay. You guys have both the whole show been <laughs> hitting your desk like he does. There's a little ode to Rush Limbaugh here. You know. You know what's crazy? What got me into politics and what got me into political science. Is my dad used to listen to Rush Limbaugh every single day? Hell yeah! All right, my dad me. used to listen. My dad, my dad used to listen to Rush Limbaugh every single day on my way home from wrestling practice, from my home, way home from school. I mean, every, look at that face. And then eventually, eventually, that translated into me thinking like, I don't know if the government's one hundred percent telling the truth. And so from there, I became a libertarian. And I just completely disavowed the government. Oh, yeah. I totally feel that, man. Yeah, Yeah. man. I'll I'll, I'll give you a brief history here real quick of uh, my Rush Limbaugh (laughs) experience. Uh, Being being, uh, allegedly, I was homeschooled for most of the time that I was in, uh, like, middle school and high school. I mean, look at that face. Yeah, exactly, right? You can tell. (laughs) Just look at the eyes. You can tell what's going on. 
but at lunchtime, when Rush would come on at 12, he'd go from 12 to 3 every day. At noon, that radio would pop on, right? Like, we still had another hour or two of school left. That radio would pop on, and Rush would go until 3. From 12 to 3, Monday through Friday, I heard Rush. I thought that dude was as uh, legitimate as anything you'd hear at, like, church or something like that. For years, I was like, this dude is the word of God. And then I found out about Ron Paul and people like that, and I was like, wait a second. I kind of agree with these guys a little more than Rush. And then that's like where you said like you kind of like got your libertarian roots. Yeah, why did Ron Paul hate I sorry, why did Rush hate Ron Paul so much? It was because he went against the Republican establishment, and that's what Rush was one hundred percent, is he was a voice for the Republican establishment. So so what made me libertarian in in an essence is I was talking about I was talking about how marijuana should be legal. Mm. And this girl in my class, who was also the valedictorian of my high school class, said, oh, my God, you're such a libertarian. And (laughs) I've learned my lesson. I'm never, ever, ever going to smoke weed again. She meant it as an insult. And I was like, well, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. I guess I am a libertarian. (laughs) And then I started looking into more of their views. I'm like, shit, this is 100 percent like what I believe in. And so after that, I was like, well, I guess I'm uh, a little bit more libertarian or anarchist or minarchist than I believed originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, smoking uh, weed, drinking vodka. That's a rip, that, that's going to give you diarrhea right there. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like uh, that was one thing for a while. Like, I never really, like, uh, like you said, like, anarchy and libertarianism were, like, two political ideas that I kind of found out about and really kind of delved into. I wouldn't ever consider myself a hardcore either one of them, but I really got into them around the same time, and I realized that they were kind of a similar idea, but libertarianism has more structure than anarchy, and uh, anarchy was a really fun idea but anarchy just doesn't ever work in practice because it only lasts for so long because eventually so, anarchy becomes a dictatorship or something else. Anarchy is not a, right. a a system that lasts forever. So what's interesting about those two is that in the 1970s, 1960s and 70s, the Libertarian Party argued which one was going to be their platform. They argued whether or not anarchy or minarchy was going to be their platform. And uh, to define minarchy again, I would say that it's the uh, working of government uh, in the least, the least uh, overbearing uh, possible um, like structure, right? Mm. So you have you have very little government, but you have the rest of it as basically anarchy, and so. Um, the libertarian, the libertarian party argued whether or not anarchy, like completely dissolving the government, or minarchy was going to be their uh, primary focus, and they agreed in the 1970s on anarchy as their as their focus, but minarchy completely lost its focus, 
And I think a lot of those minarchists felt burned by the Libertarian Party. And so they went to the Republican Party uh, as kind of a uh, solace of of their beliefs. Mm. So you see a lot of these minarchists like Ron Paul, Rand Paul, a lot of these quote-unquote libertarians, but they're really minarchists as far as they believe as the least amount of government possible in order to function. And that that's what I identify as, as kind of the least amount of government in order to function. I don't believe in property tax. I don't believe in income tax. Like, I believe cocaine should be legal. I believe, like, pretty much everything that would classify as society as I don't believe in victim uh, victim crimes or victimless crimes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there, there is no such thing as a victimless crime. Anything that is a crime has to be committed against a person, mm-hmm. and not the act of someone committing that thing against themselves because that was something they willingly did. Oh, yeah. And, like to consider like because that's what I've heard. The argument is, it's like when you're doing this stuff, it's like you're committing a crime against yourself. Like uh, you're doing this and it's harming you and potentially harming people. Around, if, like if you got a family or something like that. If you choose it for yourself and your family chooses it for themselves, it's not a crime, right? Mm hmm. How, how can something that you choose for yourself be a crime? Hmm. If you if you know the if you know the complete repercussions of what you're doing, then how can that be a crime? That's very true because it's like you decided you used your imbued free will to make the decision to do these things, knowing yeah. like it's not like people go into like it's not like someone does cocaine for the first time. It's like I've heard nothing but good things about this. I've heard it helps my immune system and that it'll regrow my hair. Like, no one goes into it like that. They know what the consequences are of doing it. Absolutely. Like, if if you do if you do a drug, you pretty much know what the consequences are, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, until, it's not until you say, so, say somebody, like, robs someone to do drugs, right? Mm-hmm. They were completely spotless before they decided to rob someone to do drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, that robbery in and of itself is is a crime, right? Because you're affecting somebody else. Yeah. <clears throat> but doing drugs, I mean, come on. That that's only affecting you. Yeah. And it's like and that's the that's the other argument that I've heard that really got me thinking like that because, you know, for a long time I I, you know, kind of just believed whatever I, you know, was told about drugs and that whole situation, but most of the time, the reason that they make these things illegal uh, or schedule them to a certain degree is because of the, especially Schedule 1, is because of the potential for the person who's on them to commit crimes. So it's like you're making it illegal because there's a thought process that there is an increased potential for them to commit crimes for whatever reason. But those crimes are already illegal. So why do you need to make this thing illegal? Just wait for them to commit the crime and yeah. then... Like, exactly. you know, arrest them or do whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, pe- pe- people doing drugs, they're only affecting themselves. But whenever they reach out and start affecting other people is uh, is where it becomes a problem. Like John Locke, John Locke in, uh, 
in his treaties. He he basically he was like, listen, if somebody comes to attack your property, you know, it's whatever. You have to do what you do to protect your property. You have to do what you need to do to protect your life. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, if they're not if they're not attacking your property, if they're not attacking your life, why is it such a bad thing? Exactly. It's like you're. It's like the thought of um, what's that called? Like where like cops they can't arrest someone just because there's a potential for them to commit a crime. They have to wait for them to actually commit the crime. So yeah. with this, it's the same thing. It's like basically like they're arresting someone because they have the potential to commit a crime, and I that's really what's most messed up about it is that they're not arresting them for something they actually did. Really, I mean, they're just arresting them because they have an increased potential to commit a crime, which is completely yeah. against uh, the Constitution because it's like you you're, have to be found guilty of the crime. You're, you're arresting like thousands of people based on their potential to commit a crime, mm-hmm. but they didn't necessarily commit a crime. They didn't necessarily hurt somebody else. The only person that they hurt was themselves. Exactly. Now, I... Mm-hmm. I I a hundred percent. I can I can see where a victim would be a child, right? Definitely, yeah. Where if you're doing drugs and you're affecting a child, I a hundred percent can see that. Mm-hmm. But if if you're affecting somebody else, if you're not affecting your child, I don't want to see that. Yeah, but I even in those I don't see that as a crime. I just see that as a personal choice. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you up to a point. Up to a point, there would be, like, child neglect. Like, if you're not buying your kid food because you're out there spending all your money on whatever so that you can have a good time, that in and of itself should be a crime. Not that you're out there doing whatever, but that you're not buying food for your kid. Like, the fact that you're neglecting the basic needs of your child that you're in custody of, that should be a crime in and of itself. But not because you're doing it... For whatever reason. There's a good example of that in Roan County mm-hmm. where um, I don't know if you've heard of the Amanda Dotson trial. No. No, I thought my head. So her and her husband were neglecting their child in order to uh, buy drugs. Mm. And I've seen the pictures of the child and it's fucking terrible. It's literally one of the worst things I've ever seen. Mm. Um, they were neglecting their child to buy drugs. They uh, they left the kid in the car seat for so long that the kid be- this kid's skin became attached to the car seat. Oh my god! And wow, that's I mean, it's all because of drugs. It's all because mm-hmm. they wanted to go buy drugs and not take care of the child. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's I think that's a hundred percent understandable why that would be illegal. Yes. Right. But yes. whereas whereas like other things like oh hey I'm going to go buy drugs I don't have any kids I'm just going to do them on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily see that as a problem. If you're not affecting another human life, why is that a problem? Exactly. And I feel like it, like you just said, like the story you just described of the Amanda, Amanda Dobson trial, that would show clear neglect of a child. And when you are responsible for another, 
being, especially a child, that should change things because you should, A, have to do things for the kid in order to keep them alive. They're a child. They need help and support of the parents or of some kind of caregiver. Oh, and yeah. so it should be illegal for them to do this, kind of, like any kind of neglect, especially to that degree. That's an incredible degree of, of neglect. That should be illegal a hundred different ways. Those people should be in jail for the rest of their lives for doing that to that child. There's no excuse for that. There, but just because they things, did the hmm. There's a few things that I think that are a hundred percent unexcusable just from a, a standpoint of looking at the law. And looking at whether or not uh, these crimes should have victims and blah blah, mm-hmm. rape, rape. Mm-hmm. There, there is never a there is never a excuse for rape. There's never a mitigating circumstances for you to rape somebody, right? Absolutely. And there, there the same thing goes to a child. If there is never a reason why you should neglect a child, there is never a reason why you should. Rape a child. There's never a reason why you should do anything sexual with the child. Those things, those things should be a hundred percent off limits. Those things, those things have should have consequences. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Those are the kind of crimes, especially when you have a victim who cannot help themselves and does not understand what's happening or does not have the uh, ability to understand. Well, like you know, the actual extent of what's going on, that kind of stuff. That should be an inexcusable crime. That, murder, anything that you do with that kind of just intense neglect for the person, like the personhood of another being. Those should yeah. be inexcusable crimes where you should be punished to the fullest extent of the law every single time. And because those are two. Mm-hmm. And as, as somebody who's seen the pictures, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that shit can't get out of my brain. You know what I mean? What, I what about what about bestiality though? If if I had a fucking animal, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I mean, I mean the the animal can't defend themselves, right? Yeah. If if I had a fucking animal, that uh, okay. If I had a fucking chick that was dressed up as an animal, you didn't even ask me if I had to fuck him. But obviously, I'm gonna fuck him. Obviously. Um. Okay. <laughs> Again, so, again, coming from my libertarian, coming from my libertarian. Are you about mindset, to defend bestiality? I'm about to defend bestiality. Oh, Jink Younger over here. Who does it hurt? Like what? The what animal. Person, the animal. What? But what person in society does that hurt? Can the animal make a legal claim on whether or not it was hurt? I guess you got me there. I guess you got me. You got me there. What can I say? Uh. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and get off this third rail and continue with Alex Jones attacking Rush Limbaugh's attack on Ron Paul. That's why you never hear me come out and bash Rush Limbaugh and talk about how he's a drug addict, pill head, uh, synthetic heroin head, uh, and all the rest of it. Because you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I don't like just hating on other media personalities. Oh, bullshit, Alex. To see his hatred of Ron Paul, to see him demonize Ron Paul, to see him say Ron Paul can't win, it'll destroy the Republican Party. Hey, hey, Rush, if people like Ron Paul don't get into power in this country, America's over, buddy boy. Ron Paul has laid out everything that was going to happen with total precision. And it's archetypal 
that he's the man of the hour right now and is the real front runner who could unify this country and kick the globalist out of here at great risk to his own life. And you sit there selling the establishment line. You know, it's not just re mainline radio talk shows that now talk about the New World Order and the Federal Reserve because they have to because of this show and others and the Internet just to s stay pertinent, to even stay in the game, to stay relevant. It was people like Newt Gingrich who wrote the foreword to Alvin and Heidi Toffler's books, two of them, where he openly calls for world government and the end of the United States. Go, go pull up the quotes. A guy that supports carbon taxes, a guy that was sitting there to sabotage like Boehner's doing, the true conservative libertarian revolution of 1994, a total CFR globalist picked by the CFR to run for Congress decades ago because he wrote books totally calling for world government. And what did Newt Gingrich say? Well, I, we shouldn't abolish the Fed, but oh yes, I do want it audited. And, 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 and just a few years ago, he fought auditing it publicly. And, and Ron Paul turned to him and he said, I am so glad that uh, the mainstream is starting to join me. See, that's what's happening. We're winning. They're bleeding out. And so what do they do? They sit up there like a bunch of demonic parrots in a tree saying the same thing over and over again. There is no world government, there is no global banking cartel, but there is, and they're going to fix things with the global VAT tax that Bill O'Reilly pushes. So that's a good take. That is a good takedown of uh, Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly, I thought. Uh, but then Ron Paul, who is a, not anymore, because Alex Jones got totally blackballed, blackballed from the blackballers. But Alex Jones... It used to have Ron Paul as a guest on all the time, and this was one of the times Ron Paul was on Alex Jones' show, and Ron Paul calls Alex out here in a glorious way. That said, I agree with you in, in practice and function, but even people like Joel Skousen that was agreed with you about not having a war uh, you know, in the last five or six saying they were frauds, he says when you get down to North Korea now, they do have nuclear weapons. They are being backed by China. They are a real threat. They are firing missiles uh, right over Japan. Uh, they can test weapons, but Ted, what drives uh, me crazy is way, threatening preemptively to blow up the U.S. to say it's inevitable. That's pointing a gun at us and really next-level bravada. It's incredible chicken. And then you have the Clintons, as you know, transferring the reactors, transferring the missiles in the mid-90s that you and others criticized when you first got back into Congress. And so there's a lot of blame going around here. And then you just have the horrible little communist third-generation dictator fat off the blood of his little skinny citizens. I agree with you, the poor you know, Korean, uh, North Korean slaves and their children. I feel sorry for them. I don't want to have to you know, nuke the DMZ. Uh, but if they do strike us first, I think they may be crazy enough to do it, uh, then it's going to take a, a, a major commitment to make sure they can't counter-respond. You're, you're, buy, you're the, buying the, the, into the, all the garbage that's passed out there by the deep state and neoconservatives and, and the media. My Let's just uh, hear Ron Paul counter Alex Jones there again real quick. I love this. To make sure they can't counter-respond. You're, you're, buy, you're buying into all the garbage that's passed out there by the deep state and neoconservatives and, and the media. You gotta admit, when Ron Paul calls Alex Jones out for for buying in, I mean, that's pretty cool. I thought that was cool. 
I think Alex Jones is a controlled opposition. <laughs> yep. But entertaining controlled opposition, if that's the case. Nah, he's funny as hell, yeah. Man, could you imagine going to see a stand-up show that is Alex Jones, Tim Dillon, and Joe Rogan? Like, that's the lineup. Not necessarily I've seen, in that order. I've seen Joe Rogan live. He's not that funny. Uh, but I like his podcast. But, um, no, a- Alex is funnier than most stand-up comedians, Tim Dillon being one of the exceptions. True that. Tim Dillon's funny as hell. Tim Dillon's great. When, when do you, what, uh, when's that show scheduled that you're, you got tickets for? Oh, uh, he's going to be in uh, Raleigh the 8th through the 10th, and I'm going on the 9th to see him. I might see if uh, my brother-in-law wants to go with him. Brother-in-law! Yeah! I suggest Wait, uh, very oh, clearly... The, the... What's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. Bryson? Yeah. He lives around here? I think he lives in Raleigh. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Out there by the deep state and neoconservatives and and the media. My suggestion very clearly on what we should do is we should allow the South Koreans to talk to the North Korean. What's wrong with that? They're the ones that have everything at stake, and we don't even allow them to do that. And uh, and and yet they're willing to. Just uh, last week, the South Koreans, in an effort to break this conflict, they sent a couple million dollars to North Korea to take care of some of the people, the kids that are suffering from our sanctions. The people suffer. We kill people. We killed almost a million Iraqis with our sanctions before we went to war. And all these sanctions do is just provoke the bitterness. We need to get allowed. Why do we prohibit the South Koreans from talking to the North Koreans? By the way, Madeleine Albright. We did that in Vietnam. And the French and Americans did that in millions of Sure, sure. Uh, By the way. Albright said a half million Iraqi children is a good price to pay with the sanctions. It's probably way over a million. Lands at British Medical Journal said it was like 1.3 back in like 2007, uh, going back to 1990. And and understand, Dr. Paul, I'm just wargaming both sides of the debate. I've not bought in to the garbage that we need to have a war or that sanctions are always the best thing. As you said, Vietnam now loves us hates communist China, becoming a free market powerhouse, and we should have made a deal with Ho Chi Minh to go in there and be free market to begin with. But we Ho Chi Minh is one of my favorite rappers right up there with 2 chains. Uh <laughs> I've I've uh I have one set of clips left. It's John Stewart breaking down how the media is lying about Ron Paul back during the 2012 election when Ron Paul was running. Y'all want to hear that? Or you or what? Yeah. Let's do it. Michelle Bachman's 4,823 votes narrowly clipping Ron Paul with 4,671. No one else even close. So now with Kalenny dropping out, Rick Perry dropping in, and Michelle Bachman and Ron Paul dominating the Ames straw poll, we got ourselves a race. We have a top tier. It is Mitt Romney, Rick Perry, and Michelle Bachman. We have a new top tier, and it's Perry, Mitt Romney, and Bachman. There's now a top tier in this race, at least for now, of Romney. You you can already tell them even back then in 2012, or leading up, not even 2012, leading up to the 2012 election, the talking points of 
we have our top tier. We have a top tier. We have a top tier. They showed MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News all talking about the top tier. They all have their same talking points. It's kind of incredible. Aren't they all? Uh, aren't they all owned by the same person or same people? Uh, more like, literally, for all like, intensive purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like That's a marketing a thing almost. We have a top tier. It is Mitt Romney, Rick Perry, and Michelle Bachman. We have a new top tier, and it's Perry, Mitt Romney, and Bachman. There's now a top tier in this race, at least for now, of Romney, Perry, and Bachman. I, mean, I think that's fair to say. Really fair to say? You're not forgetting, I don't know, anyone, say, an ideologically consistent 12-term congressman who came within less than 200 votes of winning the straw poll? Isn't anyone going to give that gentleman a little love? There's a top tier now of, of, of Bachman and Perry and Romney, and, you know, we haven't mentioned, and we should... Thank you. We haven't mentioned, and we should, Rick Santorum, who did really surprisingly well for the amount of money and resources he had. Rick Santorum? He didn't get half of what Ron Paul got. He lost to the guy who lost so bad he dropped out of the race. Santorum? We're looking at Mitt Romney, who continues to be the front runner, but we have Rick Perry as well, and now Michelle Bachman. Let's not count out John Huntsman, though. What? John Huntsman? Huntsman got 69 votes. If, if all of John Huntsman's supporters met at the same Ames, Iowa Quiznos, the fire marshal would say, yeah, that's fine, no problem. There's still some tables open in the back. Huntsman, Huntsman was the only Mormon running in the straw poll, and he came in second amongst Mormons. <laughs> and by the way, this pretending Ron Paul doesn't exist for some reason has been going on for weeks. A new Gallup survey showing Rick Perry running second to Mitt Romney, knocking down Iowa favorite Michelle Bachman to fourth. Behind who? Behind who? How did Libertarian Ron Paul become the 13th floor in a hotel? Yeah. Why? What's wrong with he is Tea Party patient zero? All that small government grassroots business, he planted that grass. These other folks, they're just moral majorities in a tri-cornered hat. Ron Paul's the real deal, and Fox News should love this guy. But watch the difference so, between the debate model. Yeah, go ahead. So, I think I think this is part of the problem with the Libertarian Party is that they go big or go home, right? So the Libertarian Party banks on people like Ron Paul. They bank on people like Gary Johnson. They people they bank. On I voted like, for Gary uh, Johnson, dude. That guy was a fucking moron. Yeah, the, but but the but the Libertarian Party banks on. These people like uh, Gary Johnson, G Joe Jorgensen, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they bank on these big elections. But they have never – have you have you seen a libertarian candidate in the last 12 years in the uh, – in like Tennessee primaries or Tennessee elections? Uh, Basil Marceau. Mm. <laughs> Basilmarso.com. And I mean, I mean, other than like Glenn Jacobs, who could 
conceivably be oh fuck fuck yeah glenn jacobs i love that dude as as he could be conceived as a libertarian right right but he is so far on the republican ticket that but glenn jacobs is against nsa spine and pro weed legalization and yet he still got to be the mayor of knox county yeah but he but because he's on a republican ticket so you're saying Ron Paul would have done better if he ran as a libertarian? No, I'm saying I'm saying Ron Paul would have Ron Paul Ron Paul did well run, running as a Republican. But the well, they they problem, uh, as Christian said on the recent episode, Christian of OBDM, they dominioned the shit out of that election. Ron Paul should have won. Oh yeah, but it was rigged against him. And the media was just just a part of that rigging. But yeah, I 100 percent agree. But lib- libertarians don't have the media representation that they need. So nobody nobody runs on a small ticket libertarian party, right? Everybody runs everybody runs for governor or for you know senator, but they run as Republicans instead, right? Right. So what Thanks, Obama. Need, what libertarians need as a party is to run from a grassroots up, and nobody nobody's willing to do that as a libertarian. Every, everybody is looking at the big picture, but nobody's looking at the little picture. Nobody's looking at state le- le- uh, legislatives. Nobody's looking at like different things like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, uh, yeah, there, uh, go ahead, Caleb. That's all. Oh, there's like no like libertarian mayors. There's no libertarian. Uh, what the hell was Glenn uh, Jacobs is a libertarian mayor. God dang it. He's a no. He's a Republican he, with Austrian economics as a economic policy. No, he's libertarian. Uh, See, even yeah, even that like so. Rand Paul, Rand Paul, right? We would see him as libertarian for the most part in his uh, ideological views, but he he he's part of the Republican Party. Why is that? Why does why is he why does he see himself as a need to uh, establish himself as a Republican Party representative as, instead of a libertarian representative? Yeah, but at the same time, you remember stand with Rand. I mean, I get what you're saying, but stand with Rand when the NSA. When the Patriot Act was set to get reviewed and the NSA was going to have even more rights to spy on us, stand with Rand. Rand Paul filibustered for like 50 hours. I respect that. I like that. Oh, hell yeah, I do. Hell yeah, I love that. But when you see somebody like Justin Amash, who is a – he was a libertarian senator out of uh, Michigan – um, he was originally voted as a Republican Party representative. Uh, he halfway through his uh, term, he switched to the Libertarian Party, and he immediately got like as soon as his seat came up, he got voted out. Why? Because he was no longer part of the Republican Party. He was part of the Libertarian Party. Mm. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! 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 Justin wow. Amash is 
If you if you have a chance to look into Justin Mash, Justin Mash is pretty good as far as uh, libertarian or anti-government uh, views go. Justin Mash is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check him out. He it's was, like I've heard his name in passing, but I've never actually dug into him. Uh, real quick, I have to say just for uh, – just because I, I, I owe it to him, uh, Rare Encounter – is live right now. I know I'm stepping into their time on the stream, but uh, shout out Rare Encounter, Cold Acid, Abel Kirby. They are live right now. Sorry about stepping into your time, boys, but you know, it is what it is. Oh, dude. It, yeah. Absolutely. But we are going to get into some deep shit here soon. So they can get over it. So one of the things I wanted to, I actually wanted to bring up, and I didn't know how you guys felt on it, was uh, critical critical race theory. If you guys want to go deep, I mean, yeah, I know uh, enough about critical race theory to know that I'm glad Trump outlawed it. So so right. So Florida was recently one of the states that outlawed um, the teaching of critical race theory. Florida high school. In high school, right? Mm-hmm. In high school education. Um, and um, critical race theory is basically the teaching of race as a uh, – seeing race as a worldview of viewing the world through the lens of race and seeing like systems um, as basically racist, right? So mm-hmm. systematic, systematic racism is a product of uh, – is a product of critical race theory, right? Nah, no, that can't happen. Um, critical is so dude, I, you know how del- critical race theory is so delicious. It's too delicious to believe. It's almost too delicious to believe, my friend. Thank you, Hillary. But I, I wanted to, I wanted to applaud uh, Florida in banning this kind of practice. Right? No, I'm totally with you. Because I think I think in in essence, critical race theory teaches young white kids how to be racist. If that's a if that's a, I agree. Um, no, I agree. But I have okay. Let me let me say this: of the five or six, I don't have a lot, but of the five or six black friends that I have, five of them. Four or five of them absolutely hate critical race theory. The other one thinks it's fantastic, and that guy's retarded. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's his reason for Thanks, liking Obama. it though? Uh, he's. <laughs> are we? I I guess I opened myself up to this. Are we tra- really just, trying to grow here? Say, are we really just, trying to I mean, grow you here? Could, you, Give it a passing glance, but I mean, you just said he was retarded, so I would like. To I, hear I don't at mean least that. I love the guy. Thing. I love the guy. Yeah, and I'm not going to say I, who I, he is, but like, yeah, yeah, and I get, yeah. But I mean, this dude is. This dude thinks that Joe Biden is the best president we've had in a while. I guess that's all you really need to know about him. The the best president we've had in a while. Yeah, and that Trump was the most racist one, even though Trump was trying to do the platinum plan. 
I mean, I'm, it's I'm just crazy. I'm not saying I'm not here to defend Trump, but it's like Biden is super fucking it. racist. Biden is super racist. Anyway, the it doesn't matter. The, the, least the, racist the point I was trying to make is that the majority of black people I know fucking hate Joe Biden, and a lot of them love Trump. But that's beside the point. I'm just, I'm just gonna. I'm here's a hot take. The recent, the most racist, the least racist president we've ever had in the United States of America is a uh, fucking. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, and he was a fucking slave owner. Yeah, but he fucked a black girl, so it was okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, really though, like as far as far as policies and everything else goes, Thomas Jefferson was probably the least racist person. He had a go dude, on no, no, listen, Tom, old TJ, old TJ. Thomas Jefferson had a great time, and he mixed races, and there is nothing wrong with mixed race relationships. It's all about having a good time. Yeah, it looks like you're having a good time. So, so a lot of people, a lot of people credit uh, Lyndon B. Johnson for being the least racist president. What? Fuck Lyndon B. Johnson. Fuck that racist fuck. I hate yeah. fucking. The guy that was involved in Kennedy's assassination, who Kennedy was one of the oh, least shit. racist presidents. I'm so pissed off oh, right shit. now. Oh, shit. I'm so shit. pissed off right now. You, you touch on one of my favorite. Uh, uh, my favorite but we can't attack a president. So so he he did. He did pass the Civil Rights Act of what was it? 1968. Right. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson did. Lyndon B. Johnson oh, yeah, can go right. fuck himself. And then he said and then he said while he was passing that legislative or the legislature he said this will have the black people and i'm using that i'm not quoting him here no he you know said, his actual quote was this will have in words voting for voting democrats for the next hundred the next, years exactly yeah and fuck how could, him even, dude and, even and, though, and, even, and if you listen to mo facts you listen to mo facts oh with adam curry mo has broken down how the man about the house rule. The man it, you could not you you were not allowed to get uh, financial aid or income if you had a man in the house. So it incentivized black families and low income families to not have a father in the home because then they could get all this sh- free government cheese. It's I, I fucking hate, evil. It was so evil, and it destroyed the black yeah. community in a way that, like, Mo, who's been on my show, has broken it down on his show. Lyndon B. Johnson was the most racist president in American oh, history, as far as I'm concerned. 100%. 100%. But his, his, actions, his actions did not match up with his words, right? Yeah, Because right. his actions were all politically motivated. They, they, he, wanted, he wanted to get votes. And so he knew what to what to do to get votes, and so that's what he did to keep to keep Democrats in power, or to keep progressives in power, I should say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fuck FDR Fuck. was the first one who started on that track, and then every left leaning president after him just expounded upon it. FDR's New Deal was. At the time, something that sounded like it was a good idea, but it was the same thing as like the Patriot Act, where it gave so much extra power to the federal government to do things that no one could foresee. Like, oh my god, like, dude, in the future, look into how the Federal Reserve relates to the New Deal, dude. 
NPR's New Deal sold literally sold our souls as Americans to so the I had this, central banks. I, yeah. I had this I had this uh, professor in college. His name was Doctor Pilot. If you could ever get him on the show, he would be a f- he'd be fucking great. Hook me up, Doctor Pilot. Doctor Pilot had this eyebrow that was <laughs> super long, and if he'd get pissed off, it would connect to the top of his hair. <laughs> And so, we, so, so what we would do is we try to get him pissed off, and the easiest way to get him pissed off is to talk about FDR because he <laughs> fucking hated FDR. FDR oh, yeah. is a FDR is a shit president. I fucking hate FDR. He sucked. He no, and he's, he's considered like so great because he got us out of the Great Depression. It's like yeah, he got us out of the Great Depression by selling he up. He he got us. "Quote unquote," got us out of the Great Depression by selling all of our entire country out to the central banks, to the globalists, he, for all intents and purposes. He didn't get us out. He didn't get us out of the Great Depression. That's the fucking crazy thing. He mm-hmm. did not get us out of the Great Depression. Cycles got us out of the Great Depression. FDR was just the one that was accredited for it. FDR, yeah. FDR did the same shit that um, that. That the previous president had did before him. That um, what was it? Oh my god, I'm drunk. I'm starting to blank on the name. But, uh, <laughs> hey, it's all good. But, uh, <laughs> oh shit! Oh, the cops it. are coming for the you. The cops. Now too. They're here. They're here. <laughs> I gotta hide everything. I gotta hide all the stuff. The guns. The people. The, the <laughs> stuff, everything. Oh shit. Oh, okay, it looks like they found somebody else. Uh. No, but what FDR did more than anything with the New Deal is he made, he gave people the idea that the Depression was over because he basically flooded people with a bunch of free money that was just uh, basically a payment from the future. Oh, and it was oh the you mean kind of selling. like fucking stimulus checks? Fact check yes, health? yes. But to almost like for a in the long term, what FDR did in the long term, I feel like is greater than what the stimulus checks are going to do, because with the stimulus checks, it's one time expenditures with the new deal. There was so many basically lifetime expenditures and for the lifetime of the government, essentially uh, new money that was allocated that they could just spend in these programs. Whereas FDR, with stimulus, it's like set just a couple of it's like three or four bills that were passed to spend a bunch of money that we don't have. FDR did the same exact shit as Herbert Hoover did, mm-hmm. but FDR FDR was accredited for exiting us out of the Great Depression because a war came, which brought a shit ton of money to the economy, mm. and and essentially and essentially brought us out of the Great Depression, but. He did the he did the same he his economic plans were the shit. same exact shit that Hoover Herbert Hoover did, but they didn't work. Yeah. And so, but but because he was at the right place at the right time, his ideas are fucking awesome, and the Progressive Party is of is obviously gonna fucking is obviously gonna grasp a hold of that shit. Mm-hmm. And it's because the Democratic Party still to this day references the New Deal whenever they're talking about most of the social programs they want to start. That's and they point to the success of it because it still exists is really why they point to this. It's not because it succeeded in doing anything that it was set to do, but because it still exists, like parts of it still exist today in the government. Yeah, yeah. 
So I have I have a couple things to talk talk on that. So first of all is the fact that is the fact that obviously the the, the plans that FDR did did absolutely nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And the second TVA is obviously a fucking is obviously a great example of that, right? What the fuck does the TVA do? They allowed the fifth the fifth greatest economic disaster uh, ecological disaster or environmental yeah. disaster to happen under their watch in the entire history of the of the world. Actually, it's in the top ten. The Ashbill at the Ashbill from TVA is in the top ten. So why why is the I, fuck I know I, I remember when that happened like within that week three different people who I knew like had their houses moved like got shifted off of their property like their house got fucking rocked so hard that it was not on their property line anymore There is only one person who stand who stood their ground and his house is still there in the Swan Pond Park He, he refused. He refused to move after the TVA natural disaster. He refused to move, and his house is still there. And the if you, if you go into Swan Pond Park, his house is right there on the right. His house God is bless. still there, uh, and un, un, undisturbed, I guess. Mm. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about because when I, I came into Tennessee uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I went to that park. Because I'd never been there before, and I was like, I'm going to check this park out. And there was only, like, one house when you're pulling in that park, and it's just on the side of the road. And I was like, why is this one random private house just sitting here? That makes so much sense, because that's right in the path of where all of that ash would have went. That dude dude refused to move. That dude refused to move. Hell yeah. Because That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what what I go to Swamp Pond for? Hmm. To fucking fish and drink beer. That's all I do. Oh, yeah. Can I give you a cookie? I mean, I mean that park is that park is great, but I don't understand why all those people had to move out of it. I wouldn't yeah, drink the know. water out of the Watts Bar anymore, or eat the fish out of there even. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I know. That, that that's part of the reason why I stopped going to one of the Mexican restaurants. There is because they got they got fish out of the Watts Bar. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god! Was it Red Bones before the Ash Bill? No, it, you weren't supposed was, to be uh, more than two fish a month. It was El Canarito. Damn. Fear is freedom. Subjugation is liberation. Contradiction is truth. Those are the facts of this world, and you will all surrender to them. You pigs in human clothing. Behind who? Just. Just a, a real quick side note. That's from Kill la Kill. You ever watch that show? Yes. I love that show. I watched the whole thing. Like I watched like two episodes of it and then I watched the whole show. Like in have, you, have you watched the other one that uh is made by the same person, Gurren Laga? I've heard of it, but I've not watched it. It is amazing. If you if you have a chance to check out that anime, it's it's fucking awesome. Gurren Lagan is one of my top top five. Awesome. If it's like Kill a Kill, like if it's got the same style, I, what I really liked about Kill a Kill was the action scenes were cool, but like the humor in it was really what got me. Oh, like yeah. What kept me around for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think the original top that I was talking about before all this shit happened was Critical, was critical Race Theory, right? Mm, right. 
and how how I think I think it's creating little racist in, in the world, right? Because yeah. because what critical what, what critical race theory does? Well, I is, mean, why? Let's be honest. Like, why do you even have a problem with that? You know, it's like, come on. You got a problem with that, nigga? So what critical race theory does right, is it teaches it teaches these little kids when they're the most impressionable to view to view the um, to view the world in a view of race. Right. And so it's teaching it's teaching these young white kids, 13 to 16 or to 18 years old. Well, like, that, yeah, not just young white kids. I would say it teaches all young kids to view everything through a lens of race. Yeah, and it's teaching them. It's teaching them. Hey, you white kids. Hey, you're the oppressors. You're the colonizers. You're all this, all this underlying like negative things, right? And so these white kids have a have a derogatory have a derogatory view towards race, like from the initial onset of their development. Yeah. And do so you, do see, you hate? Uh, do you hate that other race? Say yes, you get a cookie. Because you got a one-inch pecker. Uh, say yes, you get a. Say yes, you get a cookie. Can I give you a cookie? That's what I meant. <laughs> I had the pecker one. <laughs> I meant the cookie one. <laughs> so, do you, so, do you do you hate do you hate yourself for being white? I'll give you a cookie. Can I give you a cookie? Can I give you a cookie? Can I give you a I, cookie? Yeah, I cannot say I do. No. Okay. Um. Well, so you don't get a cookie, was, then do you? Well, and you know why you don't get a cookie? Because you got a one-inch pecker. So going through college in uh, at University of Cumberland's uh, on the wrestling team, we were subjected to a lot of shit. Uh, we were a lot of hardship, a lot of running, a lot of like different stuff that we had to go through, and we went through it not as you know black versus white, or we went through it as a unified as a unified unit, and that brought us a lot closer together. My roommate uh, in college was black. Uh, his name was Steven Trailer. Uh, he was my best friend in college. He was fucking awesome. We never had we never had any issues. Um, but like this critical race theory, if I had seen myself as maybe like an oppressor, or if I had seen myself as a villain before that experience, right? Um, I'm I may have seen myself as like somebody who hated hated that issue or hated that race. Because, because in, in, a, in effect, you know, you're going through your developmental time as a human being. You're seeing this different race as either under you or you're being taught that this different race is less than you or um, that this different race is being oppressed because of your race. So, so why, would, why, would you, why would you not? I mean, your entire self-worth at that point, according to critical race theory, is due to your race. So if your entire self-worth is due to your race and you're being subjugated to that to that opinion, and uh, why would you not hate other people according to their race? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, And, and by that same token, why would you not expect that person of that other race to hate you? just natural. Oh yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean if I if I was taught that in school and admittedly I probably I probably was a little bit racist before 
I had experienced like because we live in Rowe County or I live in Rowe County. Let's be honest. Like probably less than two percent of Rowe County is is of some other ethnic majority or of some other ethnicity, right? I probably was a little bit racist before I experienced like this hardship and grew to love these other people's these other people of this other race, right? I probably was racist, but because me and me and uh, my friend experienced this hardship together, we experienced like all this other shit together. We went through a lot of we went through a lot of hard times together. Um, I mean, I love him as a as a fucking brother. I wouldn't I wouldn't give up that time with him for the for the world. And but if I had if I had seen him as an enemy from the fucking onset. How would that have changed my opinion? How would that have changed like everything that I had seen about him? You know, mm. how could you have performed a team-based sport with someone who you had been taught from a young age is uh, either inferior or you were assumed to be superior or something like that, like some sort of racial boundary? How could you perform on a team with a person like that effectively if you had been taught that from an early age? I don't. I don't think you could. Exactly. I mean, I mean, like military. I think. I think military and other sport and other athletic teams are the least racist places in the in the entire like in all of society, right? Because they teach you. They teach you to. Hey, your life is depending on this other person. Mm. That's what you're doing. Your your life is depending on this other person. He may be different than you, but fucking over it yeah it's like you might not even like each other but your lives are depending on each other not for any particular reason but it's like you just might not get along with this guy or whatever but it's like when you're down there in the trenches and it comes down to it your training and your teamwork is what's going to make the difference between you guys getting out of here alive or you guys getting out of here dead or that's in the military if it's in a sport it's like the difference between your team winning and your team losing depends on how well you all can work together. And if yeah, you have to age, rely on the hmm. other person, and you don't see that person as you don't see that person as a product of their race, you don't see that person as a product of their upbeat upbringing. You see that person as, hey, this person is my teammate. I've known that you see this person as an individual. Hey, I've lived with this person for two years. I know he's going to pull through. I know he's going to do what he needs to do in order to get us through this situation. Exactly. And that's what you have to look at. It's not about all this other stuff. All this other stuff is superficial things that are designed and implanted into people's heads to get you to think about yourself differently from these other people. When it comes down to it and you have a real task or a real goal to accomplish, it doesn't matter what that other person looks like as long as you all can work in tandem to reach the goal that you have desired. Whether it be in the military where it's you're just trying to survive and defeat the enemy, or if it's in a sport where you're just trying to essentially do the same thing, but where you're trying to win and become victorious over the enemy. It shouldn't matter. And if you have those kind of things that you've been in, have embedded in your head since an early age, that's going to just be an obstacle to getting you to the point to where you can work as a unit to become victorious over whatever it is you're trying to do. No, I 100% agree. Like... When you teach this critical race theory, right, you're teaching kids to see their value based on race. 
And I think that's I think that's 100% wrong. You shouldn't be teaching shit that early, right? If you're going to teach critical race theory, teach it to college kids, teach it to people that understand that, hey, maybe this shit, maybe, maybe you know, the system is biased towards one race or the other. But don't teach it to, like, 15, 16-year-olds. Yeah, it's like that's the kind of stuff you should be learning, like, that's the kind of like critical race theory. I I don't disagree that you should be able to learn about that in that fashion if you want to. But that should be something that's more like an elective thing to learn. It should not be something you're forced to learn. If you want to learn about the world from that worldview, you should absolutely be allowed to, but not forced to. You should be taught everything that you need to know to go out in the world. But when it comes to that, which is definitely when you have something like that, it's going to be politically influenced by whoever's writing the books that year, because that's something that can change essentially year to year. So that's something that you you can learn independently or electively, but should not be forced. Yeah, I mean, like I went to college. I went to college uh, for political science. I never once heard about critical race theory my entire time through college. We learned a lot of different other uh, political ideologies and political theories and stuff like that, and we we discussed them as a as a unit. But I think I think I think it's too dividing to necessarily teach in high schools or middle schools. I don't think you should teach that in high school middle schools. I think. I think that should be safe for upper upper level upper level political science majors. Whenever you already have an opinion on the world, but whenever you're still in the developmental states of learning, it, it's it's detrimental. It's detrimental yeah. to people, to say the least. I think yeah. I think if we were to if we were we were gonna teach critical race theory in the next you know ten to fifteen years, I would I. Would, would say that you would have a lot of little racist in mm-hmm. in the white in the white community in the next ten to fifteen years, um, based on based on you teaching them critical race theory during their developmental part of their years. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree these, with that. You're teaching these kids that they're not valued based they're not valued based on you know the color of their skin and that's a major part of criti- what critical race theory is right you're teaching these kids that hey you're an oppressor you're a colonizer you're a fucking terrible human being based on the race of your set or based on the color of your skin and that's that, that that's just not right yeah absolutely that's blaming th- that's blaming these kids who don't know hardly anything because they're only like 12 12- to 16 or 18 like you know if it's middle school through high school it's like 11 to 18 they don't know anything other than what they're being taught really and whatever their parents tell them and stuff so if you force this kind of stuff down their throat they're only going to have one of two reactions one they're going to just accept it and they're going to think that they're these horrible people which is probably going to lead to depression and a bunch of other issues that are just going to be bad or two like you said, they're going to reject it, and they're just going to form incredibly opposing viewpoints to this. And they're yeah. going to become angry because they're being taught 
that you are from birth wrong, essentially, just for being the color you are. Like you did all these, your people did all these horrible things and you should be ashamed of it. There's a lot of people who are not going to be okay with that just from being taught that. Instead of being taught something that comes from both points of views, this comes from one point of view. I got okay. Or, there's there's several things that I need to address of what you guys just said. First of all, critical race theory is not just being taught to middle schoolers and high schoolers. It's it's being taught to elementary school kids, even kindergartners uh, in some states. So yeah. let's get that right. Uh, also, <laughs> well, uh, let's you know. If you're white, you're a racist. <laughs> if you're male, you're a pig. If you're cis, you are privileged. Skin is shaving if you're big. And if you're straight, you're homophobic. Heaven help if you're wrong. So don't have an opinion. And just do what you're told. There's also a, a big problem with... <laughs> not just that being taught to little kids, but... Kenny, you said maybe wait to teach them until they're in college. Yeah, well, college kids are they... retarded, dude. I know a bunch of college kids. They're fucking <laughs> idiots. So no, they don't need that shit either. I'm just saying. I'm well, all I'm saying is like possibly teach them when they have a have a if... have a chance to be an individual, right? Mm. When they when they have a chance to understand what they're what they're hearing. And when they have a chance to come up with an opinion based on what they're what they're hearing, right? Mm. When they, I mean, yeah, when they're ready to hear new information. I've got information, yeah. man. New shit has come to light. And it's like when you're in elementary, high school, middle school, you're forced to go to those schools. Like you have to learn whatever you're doing there. In college, you can learn whatever you want. That's when you get to really open up and do whatever you want to do. So if you want to learn, if you want to make your whole career about learning stuff like critical race theory and having a career where you're doing stuff that's based on race, absolutely go for it. You're an adult. Make those decisions. But if you're 11 and you're going to school and from one class you're learning how to do like, you know, like algebra, like algebra one or math or whatever or English one. And then the next thing you do is go over to critical race theory and have to hear about how the different races are bad or good (laughs) or whatever. That's not that's not right. You're not not teaching these kids. Yeah, it's like you just have to hear about how you're evil. Yeah, it's like it's like you got to. Yeah. Well. And how your ancestors were bad. How you're bad just for being born. The only country you're allowed to talk bad about in my house is China. China is asshole. (laughs) I did. I did a. I did a paper in college about China as well. (laughs) What was your paper on China about? My paper. My paper in college was about how I don't think that China is ever has ever or. Has ever been an asshole? (laughs) Asshole? No. In the near future, will ever be a threat to being a superpower? Really? Yeah, because come on. uh, Do you you guys know? Do you guys know what interglobalization is? I know what globalization is. So it's it's basically it's basically like where um, international international economies. Kind of depend on one another. One another. Okie doke. Right. So, 
if one super one superpower is never going to be not interdependent on another superpower like the United States. So there's no there there's really no reason to worry about China because they're so interdependent on our trade. There's no reason that they would ever fuck us over. They've ever. been fucking us over for the last 2 years, but by all means, you know, uh go ahead and support Trump. You know, sir, we love China very much. Please don't be too tough on them. Don't be too tough on China, Kenny. I don't know I if mean, I can take it. I mean, just just based on tr- on trade. Like I'm I'm not really worried about China making us bankrupt or whatever. I mean, a lot of a lot of people a lot of people see China and um, Russia as these people to be feared. Russia is not to be feared because we have we have this huge international debt, right? But the reality is, who do we owe the most the majority of our debt to? The World Economic Forum in China? No, it's either to the American people or it's to Mexico and Canada. The top well, Canada three, is the not top, a threat. Canada has like less than twenty dudes in their military. The, t- <laughs> the, t- the top two, the top two holders of international debt for America are Mexico and Canada. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the production like supply chain, China makes the stuff that other countries buy, right? So if China's manufacturing well, China. the stuff that other co- that other countries buy, if the other countries can't pay or don't have the economies to buy it from, China's kind of out in the cold because their whole actually, economy is based on manufacturing. It's actually it's actually well, I mean, you're true in the fact that it's all based on manufacturing, but the United States is actually the number one producer of raw goods. Really? Yeah. I did not so know that. All the shit, all the shit that China gets to produce the to manufacture all their shit like to produ- produ- to manufacture the fucking iPhones and the Nike products and stuff like that all of the raw goods come from America America Really I thought that it was all like Middle Eastern and Africa I thought like raw like materials like especially like like materials that are just like mined from the ground or like harvested like rubber Lithium, that kind of stuff, came yeah. from Africa and the Middle East. I did not realize that. <laughs> no, most of it, most of it comes from America. Wow. Okay. Go USA. All right. I mean, I mean, so. I mean maybe you maybe I'm bold and maybe I'm bold in making that statement, but I know that I know I know that the United States is a huge production or has a huge uh, production of raw materials that we send to other countries in order to make um, make products. So much so that do you know what the number one international product of Kentucky is? The the state of Kentucky? Is it uh is it poop water? It was all, all it poop actu- water. It is actually bourbon barrels. Oh. The that makes sense one, actually. Inter- yeah, because uh, uh, legally I, that's export- something I haven't I didn't realize until working in a liquor store. It has to be made in Kentucky to be legally called bourbon. You cannot any it, yeah. any bourbon product when you see bourbon on the bottle means it was made in Kentucky. But bourbon Kentucky is the only state be, that can produce bourbon. To legally be called bourbon, it has to be only uh, it has to only be manufactured in one barrel. Right. So yeah. 
what bourbon country what bourbon companies do like uh buffalo and they're Trace, all in kentucky um other companies like that what they do is after they get done with their bourbon barrels after their bourbon gets done they'll send the bourbon barrels to other countries to make alcohol because they can't reuse those barrels for it to legally be called bourbon so scotch uh, for example, is often is often brewed for several years in bourbon barrels because it's already had uh, alcohol sitting in it. Right, before. and all scotch comes from Scotland. At least it's legally supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. A lot of the yeah. stuff I had no idea about until I started working in a liquor store, and it was like I didn't know scotch was all from Scotland. I didn't know all bourbon was from Kentucky. It's kind of. It's, it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's supposed to be right. What? What? Y'all, uh, yeah, not that, uh, uh, real quick, just while we're talking about barrels, uh, barrels. at the Jack Daniels place, they sell those barrels. Like when they get done with them, like whenever they age the Jack Daniels enough, like they sell the barrels to either other uh, liquor producers or to private people, like whoever wants to buy it. Yep. And you can buy a barrel filled with <laughs> aged Jack Daniels, and right. it's only like, I want to say it's like four grand. Actually, it might be 40 grand. It's either four grand or 40 grand to buy the whole barrel. Yeah. And you get your name on a wall. Hell yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's got yeah. that kind of uh, money, but hell yeah. Alcohol, alcohol is super weird. And a lot of, a lot of alcohol is based off of... Uh, what people will possibly buy, like the prices of 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 like bourbon, is based off of hey, you will buy this bourbon because it's named bourbon and it's from Kentucky. Yeah, um, and, so and we're gonna yeah. charge a we're gonna charge a shit ton for it. And uh, with the fake pandemic that's been going on, it's still to this day. Uh, Canada's locked down, France is locked down, Germany's locked down. So France, all the cognacs coming from France, all the cognacs, and then uh, all the Canadian whiskey comes from Canada. It's impossible to get that shit in right now. Like, or not so, impossible, but it's super hard to get it in right now because they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're still locked down a year and a half after the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we just fuck you is pretty much the sentiment we get. It, Another interesting fact about um, uh, France and their wine France. is that is that uh, topographically there's a there is a place in Washington that is an exact replica to uh, the topogra- the topographical place of Versailles in France. Um, so a lot of the wine industry has been moving to Washington State. And on the Pacific Coast, uh, for to grow their their grapes and everything else. Um, so a lot of the wine industry has been moving to America because of the wildfires in France and the wildfires in California. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 kind of nuts. Washington State is a, is a huge place to watch out for as far as like wine production. Good hell know. yeah. I've- I mean, I've wanted to go to Washington State anyways because they've got like the like what Paul Stamus talks about, like Oregon and Washington State's got the old growth forest and stuff good. where they've got like a no, it's awesome. 
They've got miles of old mycelium growth underneath that forest floor. They got mushrooms the size of your fucking head down there or up there, I guess. Unless you're in Canada. (laughs) I've been to to Washington. I've been to Washington State once, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't think. I think that maybe the statute of limitations has run out. But do you guys want to hear about me committing a felon, uh, federal crime? Uh-oh. And all Uh-oh. I can tell Allegedly. you is absolutely, this is bad. <laughs> so, so I, I have a friend um, whose whose name I will leave undisclosed. Um, well, who, it's not about the credit. It's not, it's not about credit, but it is. Tell him. Tell us. To, tell, he, us he, tell us. Who who used to work at the uh, Spokane Air Force Base? Right. And uh, mm-hmm. if you don't know, the Air, the, the Air Force Base on, in Spokane is a uh, huge is – a, is a nuclear base, which means the security on that base is supposed to be, like, absolutely crazy. Lots of military um, have suspiciously died there, as we have covered on previous episodes. Yeah. So um, I went to this base to visit my friend, and uh, – I went to the front desk and I had forgotten my ID. My ID was still in Tennessee. Um, and I was, I was trying to talk to the, the front desk. Hey, can I possibly get a user's pass using a different ID? And they were like, no, you have to have your state issued ID. And so I was like, I don't have it. Um, I guess I'll come back. I guess I'll come back whenever it gets in. My dad's the <laughs> one. My, guy, my dad's going to send it in a 24-hour priority mail. And so my dad sent it in a 24-priority mail, but my friend didn't want to wait that long. And so I said I was going to just get a hotel and come back on the base um, and be 100% legit. And he was like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to sneak you on the base. So what I did is my, my friend told me, hey, get in the trunk of this car. And so I was like, all right, bud, I trust you. We're, I'm, I'm just going to get in the trunk of the car, and he's going to sneak me on base. I get in the trunk of the car, and we go on base. Nobody asks any questions. I get on base, and uh, I get out of the car. Um, I go into the dude's house, and I stay for 24 hours until my ID gets there, and I can get a pass to go on base. Well, what he didn't know is that uh, the base – that he was uh, currently stationed at was conducting checks of people's trunks, random checks. <laughs> and we just happened to not get caught in one of those checks. <laughs> so I, 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 I snuck into a military base, threw a trunk, went to a friend's house, stayed there until I got my military or until I got my visitation pass and was good for 14 days. Same. Yeah, but if I mean, if I had been gone, caught, gotten caught in that trunk, I could possibly, you know, have gone to Guantanamo, whatever else. You know what I mean? I'm serious. Yeah. Oh shit, that's crazy. Hey, yeah, you, you you gotta you gotta take a chance sometimes. You know, sometimes you, gotta, you get you a uh, some. Sometimes you make it through. Sometimes you get a cookie. Can sometimes you, a cookie? you end up in uh, Guantanamo. You know. Can I give you a cookie? Uh, that's that's I what think... I mean. I mean, shit. <laughs> I I, I, got I, I wanted his... to just get a. I got the rest. I wanted his... to just get a hotel room, but my friend was like, "Nah, you're we're, we're fucking going." I was like, "All right, full send it." 
You get a bro tail room. Because you got a one inch pecker. Exactly. I'll eat your ass. I will. I think uh, I think we should wrap it here, but uh, and I'm I'm gonna skip the rest of this John Stewart clips I have, but I think um, I'll I'll put it in post. I'll put the John Stewart clip in post, and uh, before we wrap up here, Kenny, you want to plug your uh, Twitch stream or whatever else you got going on? I'll link it in the show notes. I I mean I have a I, I do have a Twitch stream. I don't I don't go on it very much. Ah, oh, you fucking loser. Loser! Yeah. You're a loser! Are you feeling sorry for yourself? Well, you shouldn't be, because you are dirt! It is twitch.tv slash eodynatorious. I plug my, I'll plug my friend's, uh, my friend's, uh, Twitch stream, because he's a little bit more, uh, professional than me. Uh, uh, twitch.tv, the underscore VBK, or twitch.tv, uh, slash, uh, the, or, sorry, Beard Food Gaming. And Word. both of those guys, both those, both those guys are incredible. They play they play different types of games. Uh, those guys are pretty awesome. They they stream like pretty much every day of the week. They're they're pretty good. Um, I'm pumped to check them, those I'm out. Pumped. I've been drinking green tea you, all goddamn day. I'll, those you, will both be in the show notes too. By the way, for anybody listening, if if you want to Twitch, if you want to check out my Twitter, which I tweet a little bit more regularly than I stream, which is not a whole lot. It's uh Twitch or it's uh the Awkward Jew. At the Awkward Jew. Luckily I I know literally everything there is to know about getting pussy. I got from my wrestling coach in college. Um but mostly mostly what I talk about is either the Mets, the New York Mets, (laughs) or I talk about I talk about uh politics a lot on that stream or on that Twitter. Hell yeah. And we, we didn't even, uh, we, we only barely touched on Ron Paul. So we'll have to do another episode soon, God. but shout out to Ron Paul. Shout out to, uh, daddy Paul, not Rand, not Rand Paul, but daddy Paul, daddy Paul is the man. And, uh, daddy Paul is by far my favorite of all the Pauls. Oh, and by far. Yeah. It's not even close. Daddy, I did. Ron Paul, like, man, I, yeah, he, it's not even close. I did. I did get to. I get to, did get the chance to uh, meet with uh, Ron Paul once. Ooh. Let's hear about this. We, real quick. Uh, I I I I, uh, I went to an assembly at college, and uh, he happened to be there. And uh, his his take on foreign policy is really interesting. I should say. Like, I'm serious. I, I, I like it. I like his foreign policy a a whole lot. I agree. You yeah, know, he's his, his, his take on everything, but uh, finance and and foreign policy is the forefront, the two forefronts. His and, foreign uh, policy is really the is really the icing on the cake for a lot of libertarians. And I really wish that he would he would be able to run for uh, office as far as like um, as far as president. But I don't think the establishment, as far as Republicans, would ever allow that. I think he's his time has come and gone, sadly. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's like um, the same even, thing with the the people saying like Trump's going to run in twenty twenty four. It's like that dude God, is I way too old now. But, I yeah, hope he it, doesn't. If you get the chance, if you get the chance, I I don't think that. Uh, I think Caleb said that he hadn't heard of 
just in a mash. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, guys, no, should, I've you never could, heard of him before. I've heard, but I don't know anything about him other than like name recognition. Yeah, you should check him out. Um, he's he's pretty good. He's he's uh, very he's very consistent as far as like uh, libertarian standards go. Hell yeah! Sounds good. Uh, let's. Mm-hmm. It's uh. It sounds like kick ass. Right. <laughs> kick ass. Let's let's uh let's wrap this bitch up and I'll play uh I'll play an outro and then after that we can hang out on the stream play some tunes and chit chat for a little while longer and talk about things that won't be recorded so that we can be a little more free and open. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't talked to I you guys for a while, so it should be fun. All right, oh, word. Yeah, and I got something I got to say from a certain somebody. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stop the recording, close this out. I'll I'll reconvene right. with you guys in about five minutes. So now with plenty dropping out, Rick Perry dropping in, and Michelle Bachman and Ron Paul dominating the Ames straw poll, we got ourselves a race. We have a top tier. It is Mitt Romney, Rick Perry, and Michelle Bachman. We have a new top tier, and it's Perry, Mitt Romney, and Bachman. There's now a top tier in this race, at least for now, of Romney, Perry, and Bachman. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Really fair to say? You're not forgetting, I don't know, anyone, say, an ideologically consistent 12-term congressman who came within less than 200 votes of winning the straw poll? Isn't anyone going to give that gentleman a little love? There's a top tier now of, of, of Bachman and Perry and Romney, and, you know, we haven't mentioned, and we should... Thank you! We haven't mentioned, and we should, Rick Santorum, who did really surprisingly well for the amount of money and resources he had. Rick Santorum? He didn't get half of what Ron Paul got. He lost to the guy who lost so bad he dropped out of the race. (laughs) Santorum? We're looking at Mitt Romney, who continues to be the front runner, but we have Rick Perry as well, and now Michelle Bachman. Let's not count out John Huntsman, though. What? (laughs) John Huntsman? Huntsman got 69 votes. If all of John Huntsman's supporters met at the same Ames, Iowa Quiznos, the fire marshal would say, yeah, that's fine, no problem. (laughs) There's still some tables open in the back. Huntsman, Huntsman was the only Mormon running in the straw poll, and he came in second amongst Mormons. And by the way, this pretending Ron Paul doesn't exist for some reason has been going on for weeks. A new Gallup survey showing Rick Perry running second to Mitt Romney, knocking down Iowa favorite Michelle Bachman to fourth. Behind who? Fourth behind who? How did libertarian Ron Paul become the 13th floor in a hotel? Why? What's wrong with... He is Tea Party patient zero. All that small government grassroots business, he planted that grass. These other folks, they're just moral majorities in a tri-cornered hat. Ron Paul's the real deal, and Fox News should love this guy. But watch the disconnect between the debate moderators at Fox's Thursday debate and the debate audience. Iran does not have an air force that can come here, just like we did in Iraq, build up the war propaganda. There was no al-Qaeda in Iraq, and they had nuclear weapons, and we had to go in. I'm sure you supported that war as well. It's time we quit this. It's time. It's trillions of dollars we're spending on these wars. 
what's with the smirk and the eye roll? The guy gives it, the crowd goes nuts, and you do one of these. <laughs> there goes crazy Uncle Ron, <laughs> babbling about the unsustainability of multiple wars. The one guy in the field, agree with him or don't dis uh, agree with him, who doesn't go out of his way to regurgitate talking points or change what he believes to fit the audience he's in front of, and you're treating him like if this were Celebrity Apprentice, he'd be this guy. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> at the Ames Iowa Straw Poll, Busey beat Huntsman 77 to 69. <laughs> The media does remember Ron Paul. It's only to reassure themselves how there's no need to remember Ron Paul. Right now, live, right next to the bus behind us, Ron Paul is speaking. And seven of the candidates are here today. We have live pictures of Ron Paul, but you know what? We're talking about Sarah Palin. We're talking about Rick Perry, the two people not in the race yet, Drew. And guess what, Paul? If you get video of Sarah Palin or get a soundbite from her, bring that back to us. You can hold the Ron Paul stuff. <laughs> <laughs> why would they omit saying who was in second? Well, you know why, Ron Paul. What? What do you think that is? I think it's uh, it's it's two things. I think one is some people don't want to hear the message because it's a threat to them because I'm a threat to the establishment. Some though just flat out they don't understand what freedom is all about. Is Ron Paul being ignored by the media? 97% of you said yes he is, 3% said no. Ron Paul makes a lot of sense and more people ought to listen to him. But, but is there a media bias against him? Just from the media's point of view, isn't he good for the media? It's because he is such an extraordinary candidate that the mainstream media doesn't pay attention. There is one candidate who has been largely ignored by the mainstream media. Shame on us. He deserves more attention from us than he's getting. Congressman, your libertarian views are certainly somewhat unconventional, but they have picked up growing support in this race. I, I, I'm fascinated with your word, unconventional. Isn't it strange that we can apply that term to freedom and liberty and the Constitution limited government is a balanced budget? You're proposing this unconventional idea of government. Yeah, it's okay. time we quit this. It's time. It's trillions of dollars we're spending on these wars. Imagine for a moment, for a moment that somewhere in the middle of Texas, there was a large foreign military base, say Chinese or Russian. Imagine that thousands of armed foreign troops were constantly patrolling American streets in military vehicles. Imagine they were here under the auspices of keeping us safe or promoting democracy or protecting their strategic interests. Imagine that they operated outside of US law and that the Constitution did not apply to them. Imagine that every now and then they made mistakes or acted on bad information and accidentally killed or terrorized innocent Americans, including women and children, most of the time with little or no repercussions or consequences. Imagine that they set up checkpoints on our soil and routinely searched and ransacked entire neighborhoods of homes. Imagine if Americans were fearful of these foreign troops and overwhelmingly thought America would be better off without their presence. Imagine if some Americans were so angry about them being in Texas that they actually joined together to fight them off in defense of our soil and sovereignty because leadership and government refused or were unable to do so. 
imagined that those Americans were labeled terrorists or insurgents for their defensive actions and routinely killed or captured or tortured by the foreign troops on our land. Imagine that the occupier's attitude was that if they just killed enough Americans, the resistance would stop. But instead, for every American killed, ten more would take up arms against them, resulting in perpetual bloodshed. Imagine if most of the citizens of the foreign land also wanted these troops to return home. Imagine if they elected a leader who promised to bring them home and put an end to this horror. Imagine if that leader changed his mind once he took office. The reality is that our military presence on foreign soil is as offensive to the people that live there as armed Chinese troops would be if they were stationed in Texas. Shutting down military bases and ceasing to deal with other nations with threats and violence is not isolationism. It is the opposite. Opening ourselves up to friendship, honest trade and diplomacy is the foreign policy of peace and prosperity. It is the only foreign policy that will not bankrupt us in the short order, as our current actions most definitely will. I share the disappointment of the American people in the foreign policy rhetoric coming from the administration. The sad thing is, our foreign policy will change eventually, as Rome's did, when all budgetary and monetary tricks to fund it are exhausted. Click here to learn how Ron Paul is America's strongest presidential candidate on national defense.